would help to have some audio. Hello, welcome to Hoopsville on this December 18th edition, our semester finale, as it were. We are uh, getting ready to get ready for the holidays, though I'll freely admit it has been a tough week to keep track of basketball when we've been so busy with football. Got taken, uh, as we have for the last seven years, gone down to um, the Division Three championship game, um, which is always fun, to say the least. I certainly don't want to make it sound like it isn't. It's a great time down there in Salem. Uh, Gillardy Trophy and all. And congratulations to Mary Harden-Baylor on winning the school's first ever national championship. Remember, they came awfully close when they made it to the championship game in men's basketball in 2013. Uh, taking on Amherst in that particular occasion. Uh, almost winning a national championship, but not quite. They won it this time against Oshkosh, so congratulations to them. But, of course, we've been distracted with that a little bit. As a result, I never got my blog out. I think this is the second year in a row I've tried to get my blog out. Per my top 25, uh, the week I'm going to Salem and once again strike out miserably. Last year, at least I got some of it written. This year, I never even got to writing it. Um, we'll talk a little bit about more about that in a moment, but, uh, just a quick note. This is our last show of this semester. Uh, we are quote unquote, jokingly calling it the halfway point through the season. Not because it's a halfway point. We know it's not, but because usually when you break us for a semester, get a holiday break in and come back, it feels like two different halves. So we're technically halfway through our season in that sense. Um, obviously halfway through the season comes, um, about midway through eh, early January is when we'll actually hit the halfway mark. And obviously it's based on games too. So everybody plays a different amount. Um, lots to cover in the week that we have been off the air. Obviously we're not on the air on Thursday's show. Uh, wouldn't have had a chance if we tried. Um, so lots to get to Amherst, the number one team in division three men's basketball who beat Babson, uh, in double overtime. Did not get unanimous number one. Three voters, including myself, remained with Babson. Talk about that in a moment. Um, they went and lost to Springfield. Um, incredible atmosphere. Uh, you, uh, the the ending of that game was certainly spectacular. Um, give me a moment. I am going to try and find you that... Um, Oh, I thought I had that video. I don't see it off the top of my head. I will have to look for it. Um, but certainly a terrific job by them, the pride to pull off that upset. Um, you have to wonder uh, if maybe Amherst was looking ahead. That's not to take anything away from Springfield for pulling it off. Uh, but you do wonder if maybe by any chance that may have been the case. Um, that being said... Fans storm the court, and when you beat the number one, you deserve to storm the court. Um, that's one angle. I, uh, looking for this video that was pretty fun to watch. We'll keep looking for it. Uh, so we're looking for a new number one voter in the top 25. One would assume we're looking for a new number one. I don't think that is a given. By the way, this final was 71-70. Springfield actually come off losing to Trinity and Williams going into that game. So pretty surprising, to say the least. Um, but, you know, it, it is what it is sometimes in Division Three basketball. It's not as cut and dry as one would assume. And sometimes it just doesn't work out the way you think it's going to work out. 
Uh, Amherst, for whatever reason, unable to get past Springfield and taking a loss, which means the voters have to decide what to do. I am one who did not vote for Amherst. And if you're on D3 boards, you'll know who the other one is. Um, I'm not telling you who the third was. That person can do that on their own if they so choose. All three of us, it came down for the same reason. There was nothing in the game between Amherst and Babson that told us that Babson wasn't the best team in the country. Yes, Amherst won the game. For me, that solidified my vote for Amherst. I had them number three. I moved them up to number two. I was nervous about them at number three. The Babson game reassured me that that was a safe vote. But nothing in that game, on the road, double overtime, needing a couple big shots uh, at the end, nothing in that told me, you know what, uh, Amherst is the better team. And, and that's not to take anything away from Amherst. I'm just saying I felt that Babson was still the better team. And if they played 10 times, 15, 20, 100, doesn't matter. Neutral courts uh, on the road at Babson, I don't care. I think Babson wins a majority of them. So I stuck with Babson. It was a tough choice. It was basically the last thing I ended up doing. Normally, top 25, I start at the top and I work all the way down. Uh, I started at the top and worked my way down, but left the top undecided, then finished off the middle and the bottom, and eventually um, went back and at the last minute decided to go with Babson. You may have remembered the last show we were on the air last Sunday I made the argument that you could see this going either way. Um, at the time, I think I may have been leaning towards Amherst. Um, and 18 hours later, I changed my mind. Um, I probably could have changed my mind another dozen times. Uh, luckily, there's a deadline to get those ballots done. I had things to get ready for for Salem for football, so I made a point of just making up my mind and moving on. Didn't see the Springfield loss coming. It won't change who I'm voting for number one. Babson didn't play this week. They won't play until after Christmas. But it certainly will make good interest. Do I keep Amherst too now after losing to Springfield? I think the Springfield loss is worse than Babson losing to Amherst. Um, and no, I don't play this game if X beat Y who beat Z. Thus, this is equal. No, I don't play that game. The other one being A beats B beats C, meaning D is better than A. No, I don't play that. And so um, I, I just don't, I don't I, I'm not into it. I, I'm not going to buy into that game. And so number one will be Babson for me tomorrow. The rest undecided. Uh, Marietta, we mentioned, lost to John Carroll. John Carroll lost again. I do not understand what is going on with the Blue Streaks. Cannot figure it out. You rise up at home and beat Marietta. I'd be lying if I told you that surprised me. It didn't surprise me. It wouldn't have surprised me if John Carroll was undefeated. It didn't surprise me with them coming in at 3-4. and four. But then they lost again. That is what surprises me. I cannot get my finger on what is going on with the Blue Streaks. I don't understand if if what they lost, and that was two pieces of the wheel, as it were, versus most of that team returning, was that important that they can't figure it out. That doesn't seem 
right to me. Now, I've got some conspiracies or theories or whatever you want to call them. One of them is that the that Mike Moran announcing he's leaving after the season has somehow distracted this team. That the talk of Mike playing coaching his final year and the future of who will coach this team has somehow distracted the team. That's one theory. Another theory based on that, and by the way, this is based on not talking to a soul close to the program. This is completely my own conjecture. The second theory is I know we most people who follow John Carroll know that Mike Moran would like to have his son Pete take over the program. We have mentioned on Twitter since Mike Moran announced his retirement that that is not a given, that the school has not necessarily rubber-stamped that, that there will be a national search. And I have been told there is strong influences, as it were, those with money who would rather go in a different direction for whatever their reasons is. I have not looked into what their reasons are. I suspect after 25 years, they'd like to maybe have a different change. They don't want to keep up the same idea with Pete Moran. That has nothing to do with Pete. That has everything to just do with having a new coach, a new program. Maybe some have tired of Mike Moran. I I don't know. I've got absolutely no clue. But I do wonder Per Mike wanting Pete to take over, if he has given more responsibility to Pete, whether it be in practices, in games, wherever it is, and that extra responsibility has caused the team to have to adjust essentially to a new coach. And if that adjustment is throwing the team off, again, I'm not hearing this from anybody. I'm on the outside looking at it, knowing all the pieces that we have in play going in. I cannot imagine that what John Carroll has lost has resulted in their season to date. Maybe it has, but here's the key. John Carroll has already put themselves in a position before 2017 starts, before Christmas has arrived, that they may have to win the the automatic bid to get in the NCAA tournament. This is a darn good team who have already shot themselves in the foot five times. They're going to take some more losses in conference. You can't imagine they're going to sweep Marietta. Marietta will probably beat them at their place. You have other teams in that conference who have shown they are good. You cannot expect John Carroll to skate out of this without more losses in the conference. By the way, I should point out Marietta went on to beat Wilmington 104-77 by the recover. But John Carroll's now 3-5. and five. They have lost to Mount St. Joseph, Hanover, Hope, Muskegon, Ohio Northern. Most of those are good teams. They're not horrible losses. They're just adding up. There are a lot of losses now. They're off until they play Hendricks and Marymount at the National Music City Classic, then come home and get back into conference play. But this is a conference that has Mount Union at 7 and 2, 3 and 1 in conference. Capital at 8 and 3, 3 and 1 in conference. Obviously Marietta 8 and 1, 3 and 1 in conference. Ohio Northern's at 4 and 4 yet 3 and 1 in conference. Muskegon after a hot start's lost a couple but they're 6 and 2, 2 and 2 in conference play. Heidelberg is 6 and 4. Baldwin Wallace is 6 and 3. John Carroll is one of the bottom 3 in terms of overall record. And in the bottom half of the standings right now, they've got no wiggle room left. That's how important the beginning of the season in Division Three is to teams. 
you lose too many and then pick up what is expected to be conference losses, and you will pick up an extra one if you are an at-large team. John Carroll has taken any wiggle room they may have had and lost a lot of it. Now, we can get into SOS. Certainly don't want to assume. I don't know what their SOS is going to be. It's going to be decent. It's not going to be horrible. They don't have any bad teams on this schedule. They're tapping into a couple good conferences. They tap in the MIA, which will be top-heavy. Um, they tap into the AMCC, which will do nothing for them. They do tap into the HCAC twice with two teams who will be near the top of it, so that's not bad. And, the, and with Marymount, they'll tap into the CAC with Christopher Newport Salisbury. That will help them, and Marymount should be a middle-of-the-road team, so that will be decent. So their SOS may not be bad, and will give them a little bit more wiggle room. But John Carroll already has five losses, and let's just say they're going to lose three more in conference. That's eight. Then lose one in the tournament. That's nine. Now... At-large teams will have seven, eight, maybe nine losses. Maybe. By the way, three and five, two and two in conference. I'm expecting three more losses in conference to make it five. So maybe they don't take that many. Maybe they only take two more losses in conference for four. So that means... Seven losses, eight in a conference tournament to be in at large. Again, John Carroll is running out of time. But that's true with a lot of teams, especially on the men's side of things. And that is worth watching this year. I'll be fascinated to see how this all plays out. Uh, in the top 25, kind of a another crazy week in men's basketball. We mentioned Amherst losing to Springfield. Christopher Newport lost to Salisbury. Speaking of which, did you see how that one ended? Holy cow. By the way, I do know where that video is. Let's call that one up for you. So let's set this up. Salisbury has a chance on a two-on-one break to take the lead. They're down one. They pull up and take a three and miss it. Christopher Newport is then fouled and goes to the line to shoot two. They make the first one and then set up the second. They're leading by two with a handful of seconds left. They apparently decide to miss on purpose. And folks, that is an auspicious decision. Purposeful miss, drive down, half-court heave, nothing but the bottom of the net. And Salisbury defeats Christopher Newport. I told you the CAC was going to be good. Check it out again. 5.9 seconds left. Barakowski. Heck of a shot. And that's the winner. So Christopher Newport loses to Salisbury. I'm not shocked by that. It's a heck of a finish. Salisbury was number 10 going in. You've got to figure they'll get a little bit more love. But that gets to another top top five loss. That's two top five losses this week. St. Norbert, by the way, was idle. Eau Claire, who's sitting 11, was idle. 
Uh, Benedictine had a game win over Aurora after nearly blowing the lead, and their game against Marion was delay uh, was postponed. North Central lost to Robert Morris of Chicago, obviously not Division Three, seventy-seven seventy. Then fifteen Swarthmore lost to Rowan. Um, our Gordon Mann was there, said Swarthmore just didn't play a consistent game. Denison then lost their first game of the season to Capital, and Wash U lost their third game this time to Illinois Wesleyan. Then you slide all the way down to 24 to Augustana, who lost to Lacrosse before coming back to beat Central. Those receiving votes: Central lost uh, to Augustana, Augustana. Claremont Mud Scripps lost to Westmont. Baldwin Wallace lost to Capital. Capital's pretty good, though, with a couple losses themselves. Mount St. Joseph lost to Thomas Moore. Scranton lost to Scranton. Scranton lost to Arcadia. I apologize. Stevens Point lost to St. Thomas. Talk about a game of two unranked teams, which never happens. <laughs> well, we can't remember the last time St. Thomas and Stevens Point played each other and weren't nationally ranked at least one of them. And uh, MIT lost to Mass Dartmouth. On the women's side of things, far quieter, as one would expect, as we've gotten used to in Division Three. Two losses in the top 25, period. Puget Sound lost to Trinity of Texas, 68-65, in a game that was expected to be good and was good. That will probably get Trinity into the top 25. Uh, Puget Sound probably will not fall. That was their first loss. Stevens Point lost to Hope. Hope was ranked higher. No surprise there. It was the third game of the week for Stevens Point, who's now 7-2. and two. Guilford in the receiving votes column lost to William Peace, and Chicago and River Falls would like to have the week back. Chicago beat Eureka to start, lost to Rose Holman and Illinois Wesleyan. River Falls, now 5-5, five and five, lost or beat Hamlin to start the week, then lost to St. Catherine and Augsburg. So a little bit quieter on the women's side, to say the least. So that's what we got going on. I will preface this now and say I'm a little low on energy and not totally feeling well tonight. We will push through, though this show may not go its full two hours tonight. Coming up, we will talk women's basketball to start, and we will start with Elizabethtown. You may be talking about Scranton, and you may be talking about Catholic. You may be even conversating about Moravian when it comes to landmark women's basketball. But watch out for the Blue Jays. They may have figured things out after a couple of rough years. Elizabethtown is back in the mix at 8-1 and one overall, their only loss being a conference game. We'll talk to their head coach, Veronica Nolt, coming up here shortly. Then we'll head up in upstate New York, Ithaca's women's basketball coach. Dan Raymond comes back on the show after a few years. We've missed the man. Ithaca's playing pretty well, have beaten some good teams. By the way, you should mention Elizabeth team, Elizabethtown's beaten some good teams. So has Ithaca. They beat then number 9 Rochester last week. They're on their break. How are they enjoying it, and what do they have tasked when they get back from break? Then we'll switch into some men's basketball. We'll head to New Jersey. The New Jersey City Gothic Knights looking to, uh, well, try to have the season they seem to be ready to have for a couple years now. Mark Brown's got a good squad on his hands, but can they get over the hump? Can they win the NJAC? Can they make a run in the NCAA tournament? I know it's December, but we're already thinking these things. We'll talk to Mark Brown coming up here on the show. And then we'll head up to the Northeast and we'll get a regional report, our first of the season. We should have had more of these, but we're finally getting to it. Matt Noonan will join us, our Around the Region columnist from the Northeast. We'll talk mainly men's basketball. We'll dab into a little bit of women's basketball as well. But after Amherst lost to Springfield, there's a lot of questions up in the New England area, and it's deep this year as well. We'll talk to him. 
All coming up here on Hoopsville. If you've got questions for us, tweet us at D3Hoopsville or hashtag Hoopsville. Email us, Hoopsville at D3Hoops.com or join us on Facebook, facebook.com slash Hoopsville. That's how you can get a hold of us, and we look forward to hearing from you when you get the opportunity. Sorry, got a tweet that caught my attention. We'll get back to that in a bit. We're going to take a break when we come back. Talk women's basketball with Elizabethtown. Trust me, we got to figure out what's going on with the Blue Jays because they could add a wrinkle to the race in the landmark this season. You're listening to Hoops Hope presented by D3Hoops.com from the WBCA and ABC Studios. More Hoops Hope after this. My name is Marcus Walker. I was All-State, won a state championship, a high school All-American, and played college and pro ball. I played because I love the game. I grind to be the best. I sweat because I put in work. I'm strong because I believe. When I want to bring it before game time, I come to the house that college basketball built, the CBE. No matter your skill, take it to another level. Elevate your game right here at the College Basketball Experience at Sprint Center. I'm a Division III student athlete, and I know how powerful words can be. The term gay doesn't mean stupid, lame, or less than. So I pledge to speak up if I hear the term gay used in a derogatory way or any other homophobic terms. If you can play, you can play in Division III. I'm a Division III student athlete, and my teammates unconditionally accepted me as part of their family. So now I pledge to do the same for others. If you can play, you can play in Division III. We've got more schools than Division I, more fans than Division II, and more upsets than March Madness. There's 800 programs with over 11,000 games leading to two national championships. And we've been covering it all for over a decade. From Eastern to Occidental, from Puget Sound to Piedmont, from Southwestern to the University of New England, and from Hope to Calvin. Nobody covers Division III basketball like we do. We're D3Hoops.com at www.d3hoops.com. Great moments are born from great opportunity. That's what you have here tonight. That's what you've earned here tonight. This is your time. Now go out there and take it. You're probably watching me tweet. That's what I'm doing right now. Hold on tight, folks. We'll be right with you. Someday we're going to make sure we get a little extra producer. i got to wait for my son, but that might be too many years away. We'll figure it out at some point in time and get some extra help in here to help us tweet and do all kinds of other work. Uh, if you got a question for us, tweet us at D3Hoopsville or hashtag Hoopsville. Email us, Hoopsville at D3Hoops.com or join us on Facebook, facebook.com slash Hoopsville. Uh, we, we mentioned as we went to break, has anybody checked out uh, Elizabethtown? Because if you know the landmark conference in women's basketball, you know full well that one of the best conferences out or one of the best teams in the country is Scranton. You probably also realize that Catholic ain't too bad themselves, and Moravian has certainly been spoiling some parties to get the season started. But if you look down a little bit closer, you'll notice that Elizabethtown's off to a pretty good start this season. 8-1 overall, 0-1 in the conference. They beat a pretty solid Lebanon Valley squad. Uh, They've beaten Franklin and Marshall and Lycoming, also Baruch. They lost to that Moravian team we mentioned earlier, beat McDaniel handily by 20, 
Um, then they uh, had a tough game at Eastern that they won 52-49. Beat Stevenson, which isn't a bad squad at all, 65-44. Of course, Stevenson has a preseason All-American on that team. And then beat Muhlenberg, which there were a lot of high hopes for the Mules going into the season, 57-49. So is this a, a case that the team is really, really good or their opponents have just not been as good as expected? I think it may be a combination of both. I also realize that the only way we're going to get a chance to talk to them is if we talk to them now, because we will get distracted by Scranton, who's undefeated, and we will get distracted by Catholic, and we will get distracted by Moravian. So why not take advantage of the opportunity and go to the Hoopsville Hotline, sponsored by the City of Salem, and joining us there is the head coach of Elizabethtown, and I'm hoping I can hear her okay in our mock setup here. I didn't get all the stuff out of my car for the, uh, for the studio from Salem, but Coach, welcome to Hoopsville. Thanks for taking the time. Well, thanks. Thanks for having me, Dave. Veronica Nolt joining us again, Elizabethtown's head coach. Coach, again, eight and one start and some solid wins, especially in the region there. Yes, I mean, I can't be more tickled, to be honest, at this point of the season with the youth on our team. So, yeah, it's a pleasantly surprising great start for us. Um, obviously, the loss to Moravian, we'll touch on that in a bit, but what's been the key in these victories? There are some games. You know, 70s and 60s, you've been holding your opponents so to 50 or, or less points. Has this been defense, or has this been more offense for your team? Well, really, Dave, I think that defense has been what triggers our offense. You know, we are certainly go at them um, with a lot of pressure right from the beginning of the game, and that makes us feel comfortable and confident just because we play aggressive and we play hard. And so I think having get that momentum going early, just makes us feel more comfortable in transition and really opens up the court for us. Um, this is us. We'll talk a little bit about the history of the squad and where it's come from in the last few years, but there seems to be, having talked to a few people close to the program and at the same time watching the results that I've seen, there's been a bit of new energy here. Is, is that a fair assessment? Is, is this team maybe a little bit more fresh than we're used to seeing? Well, I have to say, I think the last few years, um, we've been really kind of building towards the team chemistry that we have right now. This is just a really fun team to watch because, you know, we're not very big. <laughs> we're certainly only have 11 healthy players, but they're just gritty. So that makes them fun to watch. Um, fun to watch is one thing. Winning's another. Um, <laughs> did you guys have a goal going into the season when you looked at the start, especially the out-of-conference games? Again, Lebanon Valley, Mar Franklin Marshall, Lycoming, Baruch, Moravian, or not Moravian, McDaniel, Eastern, Stevenson, and Muhlenberg. Did you have a goal there going, listen, we want to win half. We want to win three quarters. I, I suspect the goal wasn't we want to win all of them. That's sometimes a coach will tell me unrealistic. But was there a goal in mind going in to knowing what you wanted to be at this point in the season? Honestly, there wasn't. We really just look at it as taking one game at a time because we're young. You know, we start two freshmen, uh, you know, sophomore, a junior and a senior. We really just didn't know what to expect and how that was all going to pan out for us. And just looked at making sure that every day we're trying to improve as a team, you know, improve individually and make sure that we're having fun while we're doing it. And I think that combination has what has kind of elevated us a little bit quicker than perhaps I anticipated. It's a bit of a young team. You only have two seniors on it, though we'll talk about the significance of one of them here shortly. Uh, Nikki Thompson being one of those seniors and Emily Martin being the other. you got a, a good number of juniors, a handful of sophomores, or one, one sophomore and a handful of freshmen. So really, when someone looks at a roster like that, they'll say to themselves, well, they're really building towards next year. 
that youth's got to be uh, inspirational a little bit as well. Oh, this, this freshman class is really fun. They fit right in with the um, upperclassmen and certainly have contributed right from the beginning. So it's been fun to watch their growth. This is a squad you've known for a number of years. You were an assistant coach, oh, geez, what, about four years, uh, three years with this squad? Uh, took over with uh, kind of co-coaching responsibilities a couple of years ago and now have taken over last year on interim, now on a head coach. It's been a bit of a saga. But you've been around this program through kind of the ups and downs of the last six-some-odd years. you got to be thrilled that you can get off the ground to an 8-1 and start like this and almost kind of feel like you get that monkey off the back for a program that's got a storied history. Well, yeah, this is, this is my fifth year with the program, and I have felt like we've, we've been right there and have been competitive in every season that I've been involved, and so I'm certainly proud of that. But um, this has been a nice start just because I think it was so unexpected in terms of, you know, having that youth bonus. Yes, we have a really nice player in Emily Martin, um, you know, being the, the lone returning senior who played last year. But, um, you know, again, youth can be unpredictable. And so we're pleasantly surprised to be off to such a great start. Nice segue, Coach. I was working my way to Emily. Uh, <laughs> averaging 20.9 points a game, 13.6 rebounds a game. She had more than 20 points and 20 rebounds in your win over Muhlenberg. Um, she's averaging nearly two assists a game on top of that, shooting about 49%, uh, and, and pretty solid at the free throw line, about 80% as well. It's almost too bad she's a senior. Oh, you're telling me. <laughs> <laughs> no, um, yeah, she has really been uh, fun to watch the last two years, really has kind of come into her own as a player. Um, she's really just kind of gotten comfortable and confident with her strengths and certainly that's one of the things that we're working on as a coaching staff is let's make sure that we're finding people in the areas that they can be successful at and um you know emily works hard in the weight room she works hard in conditioning on her own you know certainly coming into the season she came in great shape and then of course throughout the season um her decision making is so much better she's just really really fun that other people tell me all the time she's fun to watch you know um I think the biggest thing for me is that she's just become a really good leader. She's very focused. She's very comfortable and confident on the court. And uh, it's easy to see that. And she's a, she's an animal on the boards. <laughs> it's pretty awesome. Yeah. Well, I was going to say she's, she's uh, I guess, and if we were talking about a male, we would say stocky in the sense that six foot, very built. Um, you're not going to be able to move her very easily if you're a defender. Uh, if you put a small defender, she's going to abuse him a little bit. She can put the ball on the floor. She's not necessarily an outside shooting threat just by looking at the stats. So what is it about her game that especially this year has evolved and changed so much that she can now put up this double-double uh, and be such a key in the cog, as it were? I think you're finding that some of our perimeter players are able to find her better. You know, we're developing a passing game that, maybe wasn't quite where it, it was going into this season, or I'm sorry, prior to this season. So, you know, some of our young guards are, are finding her very well. She's really positioning herself very well. And again, the team believes in her, and I think that elevates her confidence, which makes her more effective. Uh, last year, she was averaging 16 points a game, 11 rebounds a game. So we're four points a game higher. We're two rebounds a game higher. The year before, she was 9.2 and 8.3. And then the year before that, she barely scored. So she's clearly come on her own. So, obviously dominated against that Muhlenberg team who's a little bit smaller. You're not necessarily going to see that small size when you get into the conference. Obviously, you had the loss against Moravian. Is it, how are you guys going to have to adjust, or how is she going to have to adjust to what is definitely going to be a big Scranton team 
It's probably a big Catholic team, though I don't know them as well off the top of my head. And some of those other teams out there in the conference that are going to maybe body her up a little bit more. Well, yesterday, you know, going to the Muhlenberg game, we had looked at their roster, and they have eight players that are six feet tall or taller. Um, that's about as big of a team as we're going to see. You know, certainly you know, Scranton and Catholic and, and some of the rest of them have significant size as well. And that's just going to be a challenge that we have to, you know, counterbalance to some of our strengths. Certainly height-wise, we're on the short end of the stick. That's just the way it is at this point. Um, but, uh, you know, toughness, speed, grit, you put out there what you, what you can do and you see how the, how the game plays out. Those are the things worry... you can control. I'm sorry, Coach, go ahead. <laughs> no, that's, I, that's okay, go ahead. Uh, Emily, again, 21 points a game and 13.5 rebounds a game. Then you got Abby Beyer coming in at 10 points a game, handing out nearly two assists a game, certainly an outside threat, 29% from beyond the arc. Interesting enough, identical percentage from inside the arc. Um, and then it's a steep drop-off. Uh, 6.8 points from uh, Michaela Ruth. Emma Hoseman's got 5.3 also from Julia Craig. At, at what point do you worry that you might be one-dimensional and that these other players who you say have now found Emily Martin inside are going to have to find their game to help compensate? I think you're absolutely right. There's certainly no question that we have to become... Um, more diverse offensively in terms of people feeling comfortable to step up and take the shots when we find it in the flow of the offense. And that's something that we just have to continue to work on and work towards. And I think we're getting better at that. We just need to get better quicker at that. <laughs> yeah. Well, and obviously you're in the second season in the Landmark Conference, um, so you're getting used to new foes, as it were. I mean, obviously you're familiar with all the teams. It's not like you moved regions or moved country or anything. Um, you're used to Scranton. You've seen these other squads, but now you're playing them twice a year. Last year, entered the fray 18 and seven overall, 11 and five. Just missed the conference playoffs um, after being in the MAC for a few years. Last time we had Elizabeth Town on, they had won their the program's thousandth game, which was certainly historic. But then kind of fell off the radar a little bit. Is this a chance for you guys to reemerge? And how are you going to do that against this conference? Well, I mean, I think those are all lofty goals, certainly, to, you know, kind of come back to a higher uh, level of esteem within our conference. But certainly, that's just not something that can be solved overnight. I think we'll just continue to do what we've been doing. Um, I think our, our student-athletes are the kind of women that attract people like themselves, that are, you know, good people, you know, very enthusiastic, very energetic, very devoted to their sport. And certainly, we've got to bring in some of those recruiting classes that can elevate um, the level of our game and kind of get us up towards some of those teams you mentioned earlier that are kind of seen as the, the benchmark of our conference. Um, we have our work cut out for us. There's no question about it, but I love going to battle with these kids. I mean, they're just, they're just fun to be around. They work very hard and they're very unselfish. They really don't care who gets the credit. And so as they feel comfortable to, um, step out of their, their own comfort zone and maybe take some opportunities and some chances that are presented to themselves, taking some outside shots that maybe they're not as confident in. I think you'll see that uh, we'll continue to move forward and, and grow as a team and a program. Let's talk about the conference quickly. Scranton is on top, 10-0 overall, 1-0. Susquehanna is on, has a 1-0 record, 8-1 overall. Catholic is 8-1 overall, 1-0. Moravian, who beat you guys, 7-3, 1-0. You're in the four-way tie with the 0-1s. One conference game this season for everybody. <laughs> But you're eight and one as well. I figure you'll be in the mix. Juniata's got an above 500 record. The only two who don't are Goucher 
and Drew. What do you make of this conference? Is Scranton beatable? Is Catholic going to be able to be a team you can get past? And can you know, how do you see this conference shaking out? Well, I mean, I think you you've nailed it. I mean, Scranton is Scranton. They're they're picked in the top five in the country in every poll for a reason. They're loaded. Um, they're well coached, certainly, and um, they're going to be a team that everyone's going to have to try to figure out how to you know beat them. But certainly, most people won't. I think that's just the reality of it. You know, will we? You know, we are not on paper um, on the same caliber of team as that. But certainly, that's why you play the game. I would say on paper, there's been quite a few teams this year that we've beaten already that we shouldn't have beaten if you looked at us, you know, person for person. I think what you're going to find in, you know, Catholic Scranton, Moravian, you know, Susquehanna, everybody, that on any given night, there could be an upset. That's just the way the parity of this conference is. So, you know, you got to travel. you got to make sure that you show up to play and see how it shakes out. Got some time off for the holidays. Your next time we'll get uh, underway at home against Randolph-Macon and then Cabrini on the 30th and 31st before ringing in the new year and starting its conference play against <laughs> Scranton and Catholic. Uh, so nice way to get things going. And right after them, by the way, Susquehanna, before you get Drew and Goucher maybe for a respite. Who knows by that point in time. What do you? What's the message of the team in the 13 days between games? Well, I told them, you know, they, they've earned a good rest. They need to make sure that they go home and eat healthy and get some sleep and make sure that they stay in shape. But I think they'll come back refreshed and energized. They're excited. I mean, after we had our game last night, they were just all pumped up. You know, they're ready to go home. But certainly I think that there's an excitement about, hey, what's the season going to look like for us? Let's come back and see what we can do in the conference. You know, we're picked fifth. Nobody expects us to come in here and dominate this conference. But certainly it's fun to think that perhaps we can make some noise. Well, Coach, I appreciate you taking the time. I'm really looking forward to seeing what can happen in this conference. Uh, I'm trying to figure out when you guys are uh, you're at Goucher on a Saturday. I might get a chance to see you guys in action, but it's not until February. So we'll see. <laughs> we'll wait until then. But in the meantime, looking forward to seeing what you guys do. Uh, and thanks for taking the time to come on the show. As always, we give the coach the final word. Any final thoughts you want to share with those who may be tuning in? Goodness, took me off guard there. I would say that just I appreciate you taking the time to talk to us. And, um, hey, go Blue Jays. There you go. Perfectly <laughs> done. Happy holidays, Coach. Good luck the rest of the season. I look forward to seeing you down the road. All right. Thanks, Dave. Take care. You Bye-bye. too. Veronica Nolte joining us here on Hoopsville. Appreciate her taking the time. Uh, again, the team, 8-1 overall, 0-1 in conference at single uh, loss at Moravian, 74-72, and the only uh, conference games played in the 2016 part of the schedule. Again, they're back in action after the holidays on the 30th and 31st against Randolph-Macon and Cabrini at their place. Go check them out. Those could be good, really good games. Uh, Cabrini's certainly recovering or, or backed off from their, their greatness of the last few years, but they still could be pretty good. But then they get into the conference and they get into it hardcore. They are at home at least against Scranton on the 7th and at home against Catholic on the 11th. Two big games to start the conference slate or at least restart the conference slate. This conference might be deeper than we thought. We figured it'd be three. It might be four teams and the fight to get into the four-team playoff at the end of the season could be pretty darn good. Thank Coach uh, once again for coming on the show. When we take a break, when we come back, we'll join uh, Coach Raymond from Ithaca. They're back on the program because they're off to a good start as well. What exactly can we expect from the Bombers, though, especially in the Empire 8? We'll talk to them coming up. You're listening to Hoops Hope, presented by D3Hoops.com from the WBCA and ABC Studios. More Hoops will after this. 
I used to never really talk, ever. Uh, I was afraid if I said something wrong, everyone would laugh at me. But then I started to play golf with Special Olympics. It helped me to find my voice. And now everyone else is speechless. This is why we love sports. It's in the way they play, free from the pressures and all the money talk. Playing for simply the love of the game, where everyone has a shot at their definition of success on and off the field. This is what we love about sports and what we can still love about college sports. We've got more schools than Division One, more fans than Division Two, and more upsets than March Madness. There's 800 programs with over 11,000 games leading to two national championships. And we've been covering it all for over a decade. From Eastern to Occidental, from Puget Sound to Piedmont, from Southwestern to the University of New England, and from Hope to Calvin. Nobody covers Division III basketball like we do. We're at d3hoops.com at www.d3hoops.com. We are calling you, all of you. We are calling all Division III schools to join our cause. It's on us to start the change. It's on us to be the change. It's on us. It's on Division Three. It's on all of us to stop sexual assault. Oh, I'm back. Sorry about that. I was tweeting again. Welcome back to Hoops. I hope you're enjoying today's show. You're listening to Hoops. Hope presented by D3Hoops.com from the WBCA NABC Studios. If you've got questions for us, tweet us at D3Hoopsville or hashtag Hoopsville. Email us, Hoopsville at D3Hoops.com. Join us on Facebook, Facebook.com slash Hoopsville. I may be a little bit tired, a little worn out, certainly not a lot of energy, but it's amazing how this show kind of rekindles it. I kid you not, about uh, midway through the day, I looked at my wife and said, you know what, maybe I'm just not going to do the show tonight. I am, I'm tired. I'm low on energy. I'm telling you, that stag bowl and Gilardi takes a lot out of a guy. Um, and I, and I'm just ready, you know, actually to catch up on some sleep. Um, but shows on the air, I'm ready to go. And I appreciate you tuning in, even if it's via the podcast. Um, but let's keep things going. We have plenty we can catch up on later. Um, don't forget, uh, we still have New Jersey city men's basketball coach, Mark Brown coming on the show, and then we'll get a Northeast report coming out of, uh, Matt Noonan. The show does feel a little bit East of the Appalachians. I apologize for that. Just didn't really, we had a guest, uh, actually, west of the Mississippi, I think, or a little bit east of the Mississippi. Now I think about it. Schedule just work, didn't work out. It happens sometimes. Don't forget when we come back, and we'll talk more about this later. We'll go more into our schedule, as it were. We always have the certain regions on Thursdays and certain regions on Sundays, and that will start spreading the wealth just a little bit more. Again, if you have questions, tweet us at D3Hoops or hashtag Hoopsville. Email us Hoopsville at D3Hoops.com or join us on Facebook, Facebook.com slash Hoopsville. So we just got talk, done talking to Elizabethtown, out to an 8-1 and one start. 
Certainly a terrific start, undefeated in non-conference play. Two more non-conference games to go. Another team's who off to a pretty good start. Uh, and uh, while they haven't played a conference game, they're head and shoulders above the conference right now, which is kind of where we've been used to seeing them. Though they fell off a little bit of off our radar for a little while, and I kind of miss having them on the show. So going to the Hoopsville Hotline, sponsored by the City of Salem, Dan Raymond joins us from the Ithaca women's basketball team. Coach, welcome back to Hoopsville. Thank you very much, David. I appreciate you having me on. Uh, absolutely. Appreciate you taking the time. Uh, f- full disclosure, anybody out there, um, Dan is doing uh, yeoman's work for us here because he's actually driving back to his home, so he's willing to do this while he's on the road. Coach, whatever the case may be, no matter what I ask you, your job's to stay on the road. I'll take a pregnant pause over a crash any day. Okay, thank you. I will do my best. <laughs> You're off to a 7-1 start, as we mentioned. Started with a win over St. Lawrence. Uh, you've beaten William Smith and Skidmore, Cortland. You beat Vassar, Wells. Uh, unfortunately, a loss to Connecticut College in there. But then the big win last Saturday against then number 9 Rochester. This team is certainly coming out of the gate strong. You've got to be thrilled, especially with the way that semester ended for you. Very, very excited. Um, you know, the, the kids have done a great job of committing to each other, committing to you know, the system that, that we have implemented this year. So, yeah, it's very exciting to see uh, the results actually kind of paying off with the work effort, effort they're putting in. Last year, kind of a subpar year by your standards. I think a lot of teams would love to have had your season, but the way you guys usually are, 16-11 and 11 seems low, 11-5 and five in the conference. You're normally a 20-win uh, type team and more than 20 wins, if, if at all possible, dating back all the way to the 29-2010 season. I know there was a little bit of rebuilding, but was la- was last year tough? Yeah, it was extremely tough. You know, there were so many factors that contributed to, you know, our our lack of success that, that we usually expect. Um, you know, couldn't put a finger on any one specific area. It was just a, a several factors that, that just played into just you know not not gelling at the right time, the right tape. You got what one, two, three seniors on this team, so you're a bit young because this is a large roster. What have those seniors done? If it's just them, I don't want to, you know, say it's not anybody else. But have the seniors done anything to kind of bring you almost out of what happened last year? They certainly have. You know, the biggest thing that they have done is they have kind of, if you will, rallied the troops. Um, they they've done a really good job of putting last year behind them, but at the same time learning lessons from, you know, last year um, and, and making sure that, you know, the things that went wrong last year, they're, they're heading them off before anything develops. So uh, they're doing a great job of just leading us. Well, leading is certainly sometimes synonymous with a senior, but not always the case. Of course, the one who's leading you statistically as well is a senior, and I apologize if I screw this up, but Ali Ricciuti? Yeah, Ricciuti, yes. I'll, Good. Um, Allie's off to a tremendous start this season. Um, she's averaging, what is it, two and a half assists a game, 14 points a game. Uh, she's uh, shooting 39% from beyond the arc, 48% from the field rebounding at about four rebounds a game as well. She certainly, when you go read game stories and you read box scores, and even when you catch a game, she's hard to miss. She, Yeah, she really is. And, and this year she's finally taking it on, if, if you will, you know, just kind of accepting 
the responsibility and the role of being a leader on the court. Um, and it's something that we've encouraged her to do, you know, in previous years. But this year she really kind of, I, I think, understood that it was really kind of on her. Um, and, and the other thing that she does, she does such a great job. She's such a likable young woman um, that, that everybody respects her as well as likes her. So they see what she does, and so she's leading by example because she's not a real outgoing or, or vocal person. Um, what is it about – you've talked a little bit about her game, but what is it about her game? Is it outside shooting? Is it driving to the paint? Uh, what is it about her game that makes her so dangerous this year? Mostly it, she's, she's very athletic and she's strong. She's a strong um, woman. So when she slashes to the basket, she's hard to stop. She is very creative around the basket when she gets into the paint. Um, and then when she does that, people collapse. She kicks it out very well, and also it opens up her perimeter game. Um, on the perimeter, she's more of a catch-and-shoot type player, but if she gets the ball in transition, you can pretty well guarantee that she's going to try to find a way to get to the basket. So what does she do for the rest of the team? What's the rest of this team do to, around Allie that has made you guys so good to start this season? Well, I, I you know what we're doing is we're playing you know a little bit faster, if you will, um, than we have in previous years, and that's created by what we're doing defensively. Um, she does a great job in that area as well. She's long. She's got long arms, um, very athletic, creates turnovers. Um, so that's one of the things that she really does. She helps our teammates in that, that regard. And then everybody else is just, you know, finding ways to contribute, you know, in their own, with their own strengths. And, and so we are utilizing virtually everybody on our roster as well. Well, another senior who's helping lead the way, second on the team and scoring at 13.6 points a game, game is your leading rebounder at 7.3 rebounds a game. And by the way, her shooting numbers are ridiculous. 61% from the floor, 3 for 9 from beyond the arc, 12 for 15 from the free throw line. I'm actually a little surprised she doesn't get to the free throw line more often, but um, Aaron Peters, or Ferguson, I should say, is also having a tremendous season to start. She really is. She's always been a really strong back-to-the-basket post player. Um, the one of the things that's really kind of held her back a little bit is um, she's been injured off and on, nothing serious um, her, her, all her first three years. So this year she's coming into the season healthy, um, and what that has enabled her to do is kind of step out. So you said three for nine from the arc. Um, that's something that I don't think anybody expects from her, but but she's very comfortable out there. She handles the ball very well, really good passer. So she does a lot of things for us as a post player that not every post player can do. Looking back at the Rochester game, you're led by Rashudi with 19 points. Uh, Julie Iacovoni had 15. Ferguson had 13. But then I look at the rebounding numbers, and one thing that stands out to me is not that somebody dominated the boards or had the most boards. The highest was 6 out of 34 total. You had 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8 players who got more than a rebound, 9 total. That, for me, screams there's a team mentality here that, that you go for every ball, you you shut down extra opportunities or you get extra opportunities. Is that a fair assessment, at least with what happened in that Rochester game? Well, if, if you look at the number of offensive rebounds that Rochester had, we did, we did a better job on our offensive boards than we did on our defensive, on the defensive mm -hmm. glass. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so, so you did mention, you know, the opportunity for more shots, more scoring chances. 
and that's something that we've really kind of emphasized. So we have to do a better job defensively, finishing possessions with defensive rebounds. Um, but but we're really happy with you know the aggressive nature with which our players go after rebounds at both ends. It's just they got to do a better job of positioning on the defensive end at times. Yeah, I should point out Rochester. 18 offensive rebounds to 19 defensive for Ithaca. Um, yeah. So what was the key in that Rochester game? Rochester's a pretty good squad. that They've taken a couple losses to start the year, but they're, they're going to be in the conversation come March. What was it about this game that you guys were able to take advantage of? Well, one of the things that we're doing this year is, again, I mentioned that we utilize virtually everybody on the roster. We go usually 10, 11 deep. Um, so we're applying pressure for 40 minutes and I think that may have factored in to you know our success in the fourth quarter where we kind of came back from a seven-point deficit to begin the quarter um, and, and I think that that played in I think we just kind of wore them down a little bit and and so that you know ended up you know playing in our favor well the only thing that jumps out of me on that game though where you guys were eight for 16 from the free throw line obviously that is a number that can drive a coach crazy you're averaging about 66 percent from the line which is maybe about average or below average but it's hard to leave points at the line there and i've been meaning to ask a coach this and i never get around to it so forgive me for being a guinea pig here but what can you do to improve free throw shooting at this point in in a player's career you know, it's really, it comes down to the players themselves kind of figuring it out. You know, what we do in practice is, you know, anytime we have a live drill, um, we, we, we say they have to validate, you know, the, the win, you know, the team that wins the drill, they have to validate with a free throw, and we just randomly select people. So they're going to the line. The rest of the team is watching them. You know, they gotta make they got to make the free throw to, to validate the win. If they don't, there's a consequence. So that's one of the things we do. We don't spend a ton of time in practice shooting free throws, but it's something that, that we uh, make mandatory throughout the week. They have to get in a number of shots, um, including free throws. Is it a, but is it, a, is it a quantity thing? Is it a quality thing? Is there a way to tweak um, form and, and effort? Um, in my opinion, and, and strictly this is just my opinion, I think I don't think the, the quantity is as important as the quality, and, and the, the quality. What I mean by that is they have to take free throws that mean something. They, in other words, they can't stand there on the line and just shoot, you know, mm-hmm. 50 free throws. That I don't think works. Um, so we try to incorporate again, you know, what we do in practice. Every once in a while, we'll throw in a free throw shooting drill after they've done something very strenuous, so they're feeling a little bit more tired when they go sure. to the line. Those are the types of things that we do. But, again, we don't shoot a ton of free throws in our practices. Talking to Dan Raymond here, head coach of the Ithaca women's basketball team. Team's off to a 7-1 and start. No conference play yet. That will change quickly as they're on a break right now. When they come back on the 3rd of January, they'll get into conference action. Coach, this is a long break. January 3rd is your next game. You haven't played since December 10th. We know a lot of the reasons behind that. But... Was the intent to take this longer break? Did it just happen? And how did you get the team ready for it? It's, it's something that, you know, it's based on our academic schedule. You know, last week was finals week. We, we do not practice at all during finals week. One, the, the primary reason for that is because they use our gymnasium to, um, to get finals in. So it's set up as like a large testing facility. 
So we don't have any place to practice. And the other thing, too, is, and, you know, first and foremost, our students are students, so we want them to really kind of focus on, you know, preparing for their finals, getting those out of the way. Um, so there, there's really nothing we can do about it. What we do is we ask our, our players to be accountable to themselves and, and to their teammates for maintaining a certain level of conditioning as well as, you know, their skills. Again, you've got this long break, and you'll get into it with conference play. That can sometimes be a little bit of a double-edged sword. Your first game back being a, a conference game that's going to mean much down the road. At least it's at home. But how are you getting this team prepared for Alfred, despite the fact they're not technically under your finger right now? Well, again, you know, we we put this on you know the upperclassmen, not just the seniors, you know, to you know make sure that they're um, holding each other accountable. And, and the way that they do that is, you know, through social media, you know, phone calls. They, they have what we do is we call them sisters. So each there's a set of partners, um, you know, matched up. And so they're, they're responsible for helping each other, you know, maintain, like I said, the conditioning level as well as the skill level. And then we're fortunate enough that, that we bring our kids back. You know, we're going to bring them back so that we have five or six days to prepare. Um, and as long as, as players, when they're home, do a decent job of maintaining, you know, a certain level of fitness. Uh, we feel comfortable that we will be able to have them ready to go on the third. So obviously a big game. What do you? How do you see this conference shaking out? Uh, the last few years, it's it's been somewhat interesting. Um, again, you guys were eleven and five in this conference last year. St. John Fisher was on top with Stevens at fifteen and one. Uh, yourselves were tied with Nazareth at eleven and five. That was. You know, last year, the year before, you guys were on top in Stephen St. John Fisher and Nazareth. Is this the same four-horse race, or do we have a few maybe dark horses that could enter the fray here? It's going to be really interesting. I, I think Stevens and Fisher will be very good. That fourth team, you know, is, is I, I have no idea. It's, it's going to be up in the air. I, I really haven't done a, a lot of, you know, scouting um, our Empire 8 opponents at this point. Sure. Um, we've sure. been you know, focused on our non-conference opponents and making sure that we were taking care of business there. So, you know, it's, it's really going to be interesting. And I know, you know, looking, I do know, like, Stevens has struggled, you know, with their non-conference schedule, but I know it was a demanding and a very challenging out-of-conference schedule. So um, I, I assume that they'll be there at the end. Stainson Fisher is always uh, does, does a really good job of preparing for their conference play. So, yeah, I think those three in my mind. And then, I, like, again, I don't know, have any, I don't have any idea who that fourth team is going to be. Uh, interesting enough, Stevens off to an zero and five start to the year. Talk about unexpected for a team who's preseason ranked in the top twenty five at D three hoops. Um, yeah, by the way, I should mention, uh, ben, you know, it's nice to have a new place to play in the Ben Lang Gymnasium. I remember you guys had to go on the road for the NCAA tournament at one point because that place was being was it remodeled or rebuilt or torn? I don't remember the details, but it's got to be nice to have a new place to play essentially. Uh, it's, it's, it's really, really nice. I, you know, when the alumni come back, you know, they, they don't even recognize it. And, and so <laughs> it was just remodeled. There, there wasn't right. anything structurally done to it. You know, we just, you know, a new floor, new, uh, new baskets. Uh, they, they kind of moved the floor to shifted because it was not definitely centered in the, in the building. So they've centered it, uh, with the bleachers, new bleachers. And, and so it's, yeah, it's really nice. It's, it's one of those things now it's a showcase place instead of one of those places where you, when we had recruits on campus, that was the last place we showed them. <laughs> wow. Uh, that's hard to do when you're trying to tell them where you play, Coach. Yeah. 
Yeah, well, if you were ever there, you would know what I was talking about. I kind of vaguely remember it, but I don't think I ever walked into the building. Um, but it's definitely, I could see one of those, you, you're probably one of those drive-bys for you, right? Hey, this is where we play. So moving on over here. <laughs> yeah, we, we kind of like to, to, you know, refer to it as kind of like the Hoosiers gym. Oh, okay. Nice. Well, at least it's new. Yeah. At least it's centered. Yep. It's, oh, it's, it's beautiful now. I mean, it's, it's bright, new paint job and stuff like that, too. So it, it's a really nice-looking place, and, and we're really proud of it. Before I let you go, what does this team need to do besides the obvious in winning the conference, but really in the, in the scheme of things, what do they need to do to return to the NCAA tournament? You know, it's something that the players came to me um, last spring. You know, the returning players came to me and they said, we feel like instead of having long-term goals, winning the conference or anything like that, it's winning and focusing on every single game. It's like being a championship game. Every game is a championship game. So we, we refer to being a champion for the day. Every game that we play is, is, is a championship game. So that's what we're doing. That's what we're, doing. We're, we're focusing on what we need to do each and every game to win that day. Well, as they say, one game at a time. Sometimes that is the best way to do it, and sometimes it works better than people expect it. So I wish you luck. Congratulations on a tremendous start to the season. Please stay safe on your return trip. By the way, funny little side note, I asked uh, Coach where he was on this trip, and he gave me between two schools. That's where everybody's <laughs> mentality is. <laughs> it's not towns necessarily, not exits. It's where you are between schools. I, I kind of appreciated that. But anyway, Coach, as uh, always, we give everybody the final word on this show. Uh, any final thoughts you want to give before we uh, let you go back to the road? Uh, I want to thank you very much for this opportunity to you know, showcase our, our program. And, and, and one thing, too, Dave, I want to mention that, that I'm really proud of is what our, our Coaches Association, the WBCA, is doing you know, with all sorts of things to help us be better at our, our jobs. One of the big programs that they've implemented is this mentoring program. So um, it's going really well. I know the group that I'm working with is, is very exciting. We, we, we meet and we talk, you know, every once every three weeks, um, just talk about different topics. And I think it helps, helps us all. The WBCA has done a lot in the last couple of years. I've certainly noticed it myself. We will, we can say now we'll have uh, the head of the WBCA, Danielle Donahue on our show once again, in January, I bet we'll talk about that mentorship program. Um, it certainly is a good one, and you're right. They have done a wonderful job, so great note to finish on. Coach, have a, a safe trip tonight, and have a happy holidays, and good luck the rest of the season. Thank you very much, Dave. I appreciate it. You have a happy holiday as well. Thank you. Take care. Dan Raymond, once again, joining us on the City of uh, Salem Hotline. Appreciate her taking the time. I should note, by the way, Ali Rashudi, 200 points away from scoring 1,000 points. you got to figure she will do that. Uh, she's already scored 189. Keep an eye on that, but a tremendous career for her. Also for Aaron Ferguson, despite injury. Those two are certainly leading the way, but it is, uh, it is a lot of players doing a lot of good. Ithaca back in the conversation, 7-1 overall. They're on the break now. They'll get into conference play on January 3rd against Alfred. Going to take another break. When we come back, switch into men's basketball. We'll switch over to New Jersey and talk to the New Jersey City's head coach, Mark Brown, about his squad. There's been a lot of talk about the Gothic Knights over the last few years, but they never seem to get over the hump, as it were. Could this be the season they actually do it? 
We'll find out from Mark himself. You're listening to Hoops Hope, presented by D3Hoops.com from the WBCA and ABC Studios. More Hoops will after this. College basketball lives in Kansas City at the College Basketball Experience at Sprint Center. The College Basketball Experience is the place to get your game on. It's not a museum. It's an experience you won't forget. Discover the history of the game in the National Collegiate Basketball Hall of Fame, featuring the Gallery of Honor, Mentor's Circle, and Honor Theater. Suit up in the latest CBE-logoed Nike gear at the CBE Hoop Shop. Elevate your game today and visit the house that college basketball built. It starts right when you hit the court. You imagine your finest moment. The game when he shot that gets you to the dance. A monster dunk or no look pass and cutting down the net. Sports lets us dream of our own success and prepare us for our finest moments on and off the court. I'm a current Division III student athlete, and I remember how intimidating the first year of college can be. So if you're a first year student athlete and nervous about coming out as LGBTQ, I pledge to stand by your side as your ally. If you can play, you can play Division Three. We are Division Three student athletes, and you can be too. If you can play, you can play in Division Three. I did receive a non-athletic scholarship upon entering uh, school. I got the presidential scholarship, which was huge for me. I think there's more opportunities for academic scholarships in Division Three. I did receive academic scholarships. Just being involved on campus, being a leader, all those things combined kind of get me recognized. It's a great experience for me. Welcome back to Hoopsville. There it is. Welcome back to Hoopsville. Hope you're enjoying it. We didn't have our mic working there. Um, hope you're uh, enjoying the show. If you got any questions, um, tweet us at D3Hoops or hashtag Hoopsville. Email us, Hoopsville at D3Hoops.com. Join us on Facebook, Facebook.com slash Hoopsville. All the ways uh, you can get a hold of us. I'm actually tweeting as we speak. Again, someday we're going to get somebody to do this for me while I'm on air. But I've said that for about 15 years and it really hasn't happened. Besides, our producer extraordinaire, Chris Taher, over the years. Um, let's see. NJC. There we go. Men's basketball coach Mark Brown will be joining. Um, sorry, I can't, I, I can't really type and speak all at the same time. It's a little tricky sometimes, so forgive the pregnant pause there. Um Anyway, there we go. This is what this is what we do when we multitask. Um, so we're switching into men's basketball at this point, and obviously one of the the big things to talk about uh, in men's basketball is when it comes down to the fact that um, we've got a lot of parity. There's a lot going on in Division Three men's basketball that has got. You know, it makes this show a little bit more fun. It also we get to talk to more coaches, but we also get to finally see some of these teams kind of break through, as it were. You know, one of those teams that we talked quite a bit about over the last few years has been New Jersey City and the NJEC. The NJEC's a fascinating conference. It's really actually a pretty good conference from top to bottom. They just beat the heck out of each other, and they don't usually end up having the results that we then kind of mark them at. 
NCAA tournament runs. There's only been two, both by Stockton in the last 10 some odd years. We look at out of conference results uh, against big teams and, and sometimes they're there, sometimes they're not. So while the conference is exciting, while the conference is fun to watch, um, sometimes we don't get a true sense of how good or bad the conference is when we don't get to see that outside of the conference. I think that's starting to change a little bit. We certainly have more depth in the conference. William Patterson and Stockton have always been part of the conversation, but College of New Jersey seems to have a good squad on their hands this year. New Jersey City, after a couple of years of kind of knocking on the door, may finally be walking through the door, which gives us a reason to get Mark Brown on the show. There's another reason, and we'll talk about that at the end. But first, joining us on the City of Salem hotline is the head coach of the Gothic Knights, Mark Brown. Coach, welcome to Hoopsville, sir. How are you doing this evening? I am doing well. I am doing well. How about yourself? Pretty good. Pretty good. Just came off a pretty good win last night against um, British Magnus, and uh, we're taking a little break this week. Guys have a week off, and we'll return to practice next week. Yeah, 9-1 and one overall, 5-0 and oh already in the end, Jack, which obviously takes up a lot of your schedule. We'll talk about that in a minute. But you mentioned the win over Albertus Magnus. Held them to 59 points. Now listen, I am not someone who assumes Albertus Magnus is the same squad from two, three, four years ago. They've obviously gone through a lot of changes, but still they're a high-octane offense. How did you hold them to 59? I uh, just played well, to be honest with you. They're a well-coached team, uh, pretty athletic. Uh, they, have, uh, they had five guys averaging in double figures, and uh, you know, we just had a good night yesterday. Uh, we didn't shoot well offensively, but defensively the past couple of weeks we've been playing pretty well. Uh, before that, you had the win over TCNJ, as we said, 54-52. So it's interesting. You've had some, let's call them high-scoring games where you're scoring in the 80s, and then you've had two games, Spalding uh, and TCNJ, where you've gotten put in the 50s. Is that a testament of the team um, being adaptable to whatever is in front of them, or is that more of an indication that, some teams have actually given you some fits. Uh, yeah, I mean, us for us, I, we start with defense. So uh, you talked about our bird as being a high octane offense. TCNJ was also. So our concentration in both of those games were, were defense. Uh, as far as us scoring, you know, sometimes we're challenged scoring a little bit. We we really want to win games defensively, and uh, you know that's kind of the staple of the program since my dad was the coach. Yeah, we'll talk a little bit about taking over the program, which we've talked about in the past. But, you know, obviously you've played five conference games, mixed and matched inside and around some non-conference games. Some of your non-conference games are interesting. You had a dominating win over York or New York, a team that sometimes is in the conversation by the end of the year. Um, You lost to Baldwin-Wallace, who is now nationally ranked or has been in and out of their national rankings. You beat Staten Island, who may not be as good as they were in the past, but you beat them pretty handily and again you beat Albertus Magnus handily has this team evolved into one that's got confidence that they know they can go out and beat anybody on any given night yeah I think so one of the things that I try to do even though we play in a tough conference I still try to schedule uh the toughest non-conference schedule I can I can make uh basically I've been on the region committee uh, NCAA region committee the past three years, and it was interesting just looking at strength of schedules. If you look at our strength of schedule the past five, six years, we've always been in the top three. Uh, I like to play in really strong tournaments. I think it prepares us for the NJAC, and that's what I try to do, really. Uh, so it, 
you know, playing the, good, the best competition just really prepares us for our league night in and night out, and that's really a key for for us. We want to be playing well, and we want to have some tough games late into January and February under our belt, so we're prepared for the tournament. And, uh, you know, our returners just, they, they've come back with a chip on their shoulder. I saw it in preseason. I saw it uh, in some of the summer workouts. You know, we felt that we were an NCAA, team, NCAA tournament team last year. Uh, we felt we were snubbed. Uh, so we'd, uh, our goal this year is to make the tournament. You are outscoring your opponents by 15 points a game, holding them to 58 points per game. You talk about defense leading the way. I want to touch on that a little bit before I talk about the fact that your offense certainly gets the headlines, but what is the defensive mentality? You talked about it being from your father, and then you've taken it over from there, but sometimes that's tough to preach year in and year out. What has been the message about defense from your point of view? Just really pressure. Uh, you know, defense is a mentality. Uh, you hear this all the time, and it's effort. Anyone can be a good defender. Uh, we really believe that Offensively, obviously, you have to be blessed with a certain amount of skill to be an offensive player. But if you're willing to work hard defensively, uh, you can be a good defender. And if you're athletic enough, you can, in our opinion, you can be a great defender. One of the things with some of the rule changes, uh, obviously, the hand checking rules and no five, you know, no five second count on a dribbler. Those are those those are some rules that have kind of hurt us a little bit. But we really try to pressure the ball. Uh, we do a lot of switching, and that's been the key for us. Um, again, now switching to the offense, those guys have kind of been the ones I know I've been interested in the most to see how this team performs on the offensive end of the board. Right now you're led by uh, Jalen Harris, 17 points a game. Uh, he's pulling down three rebounds a game. Uh, Sam Tony at 17 points a game himself. Or I'm sorry, 11.7 points a game, um, seven rebounds a game. Uh, you've got Kevin Brown also contributing uh, certainly scoring eight points a game. Is it those two head guys plus the third? You've got a lot of guys who score, but it, what's the offensive secret? What's what's the sauce, as it were? Yeah, we, we, we really share the ball. Uh, we were blessed to have Jalen join us last year. Jalen is a two-time transfer out of high school in Maryland. He had a really good high school career, and he went Division two Nyack, transferred to Albright. Things didn't work out, and he joined us last year, and he just sent me an email. I took a gamble, and it's paid off. He's a returning second-team all-in jack player, and he's really just a hard worker, and he's really our main scorer. But we share the ball. Uh, if you noticed, our assists um, per game are pretty high because we really share the ball. And in any, any given night, it's anyone's turn, and that's really you know how we play. Uh, nine and one on the season certainly been playing well. The offense has certainly been finding the key. But when we get to that end, Jack, you're tied with Ramapo at five and zero. Oh. How important was it to get through those first five games without a blemish, and and almost feel like you're in the driver's seat at this point? In our league, is very important. All conference games, home and away. Uh, you touched on it a little earlier, top to bottom. Even though by record, uh, some of our bottom teams look weak, but everyone in our league plays a pretty tough schedule. So even the Ruckus Camdens and the Kings, the teams in the last couple of years that haven't done as well, uh, they're really good teams. They're two really well-coached teams. So any any game in the NJAC is vital for us. We really want to take care of home court first. Uh, you know, the key with us is we try to win as many home NJAC games as we can. And then on the road, we just play as well as we can and let the chips fall where they may. But in our league, you have to take care of home court.
it's been interesting. You know, this conference has gone through a different couple of different versions. Uh, everybody played each other. Then we went with a split division for a while. Now we're back to everybody playing each other. Which one do you prefer? I definitely prefer uh, play everyone home in a way. I thought that it really did a disservice to the league when we broke it down the north and south. There were years when the south was stronger, years when the north was stronger. And when, to make the playoffs, you had to make the top three in your division. So they were years, for example, my first three years, the north was much stronger than the south. And uh, we had teams in the North not making the conference tournament uh, with an eight and five, nine and four record. There was one year that one of the teams in the South made the conference tournament with a four and nine conference record, which was ridiculous. Uh, so my thing is have a uh, even playing field across the board and take the top six. And that's to me, in my opinion, that's the best way to do it. Uh, it certainly is the best. <laughs> it certainly works for you right now. Um, yeah. What do you expect of this conference, though? You're sitting on top with Ramapo. Um, right. I have grown accustomed to the fact that what I see at the turn from one year into the next year in the NJAC is not how it finishes when the season ends. Um, you mentioned transfers. Transfers is a huge change of, of, of situations in the conference. Is this you guys and Ramapo at top, or do we have a couple teams like TCNJ who have yet to kind of make themselves known? Uh, well, in my opinion, I thought uh, once the season began, TCNJ, in my opinion, was the con- we were picked the we were picked as the conference favorite, uh, preseason favorite. I picked TCNJ. I just felt that they, uh, you know, they they returned the entire team. They returned Bobby Brackett. Who was a two-time All-NJAC player, and then they got a pretty good transfer from Catholic University. Uh, Corey Sanders, I believe, is his name. Uh, mm-hmm. So, it, you know, as far as the league itself, uh, you know, I, this year I think it's uh, definitely TC and Jay and Ramapo, uh, probably the two most talented teams in the league. And we're right up there, but I think, in my, in my personal opinion, they're probably a little more ta- more talented than we are. I think we may have a little more depth Uh and, and, but right now, we're just playing the games. We're looking forward to our next challenge. We play Gettysburg in Albright's tournament, December 29th, and we're looking forward to that challenge. And one thing I like about this group, I have five seniors. Um, it's a veteran group, and they, they really understand that at this level, you have to take one game at a time, and that's what they're doing. I love the approach of my team right now. Um, you have a bit of a sense of humor, don't you? Sometimes. Because after wins, yeah. <laughs> because I, I notice that you are going to a tournament, Albright, to take on um, a couple good teams. But the, the reason the teams aren't what catch my attention. You talked about getting a really good transfer in Jalen Harris. He came from Albright, where he didn't right. play. You've right. got a bit of a sense of humor. <laughs> We actually have two transfers from Albright. Nelson Goodwater, uh, who I recruited out of high school, also chose to go to Albright two years ago, and he joined us. He's a sophomore, reserve sophomore. So we have <laughs> two Albright transfers <laughs> on our team. <laughs> Rick Ferry let you come? Yeah, yeah. He got back to us right away, and uh, <laughs> it sounds like he's happy to have us. It sounds like it's going to be a really good tournament. Misericordia is pretty good this year, so we're really yeah. looking forward to it. Sir, okay, maybe you don't have a good sense of humor. Maybe you got a sick sense of humor. <laughs> <Nah>. <laughs> I mean that 
that that one takes the cake in terms of pretty well played. That's that's nicely done. You're being kind about it right now, but I I, I got to applaud you for that one. <laughs> I don't know a lot of coaches who get a player who end up being pivotal for his team and go back to the school that he played got it from. That's it's pretty good. I get I give you credit <laughs> for that one. Um, well, you know what happened was they were they were close. It was a close tournament. So Reading from New Jersey City is only about an hour and twenty minutes. So that that yeah. that, no, that was part yeah. of the reason. <laughs> Some year we will get you to the Chuck McBreen Invitational, also known as the D three Hoops dot com Classic in Las Vegas. Um, if you can tell Chuck, it's okay for you to come. We've had him six right. of the seven years. So yeah, yeah, that'd be a nice. Sounds like a nice tournament. Oh, you should come out and check it out. Uh, you yeah. never know. It might be more exciting than you think. Um, yeah. But let's talk about the rest of the way. you got 12 days off, then you will take on Gettysburg out there in Reading. Uh, then you get back, and it's all about the conference. It's all the way through. Montclair, Rowan, Stockton, Ramapo, you're, you're your first four. And let me ask you this, because I touched on it a little bit. You kind of talked about it. But transfers has been such a difference maker in the NJAC for varying reasons. And, and I, on a side transfers is a factor across division three just mostly prevalent in the NJAC. how hard is it to adjust when you've played five games against team a and then you go see that same team and they're really team b the next time you face them yeah it's pretty difficult uh be honest with you but uh, you know these adjustments we have to make uh i think of coaches in our league have done a good job of that a lot of times uh you know, what happens with us is uh, we get guys coming back to us. So even though we may get some transfers, Jalen Harris was, you know, obviously something that we just didn't expect was a pleasant surprise. But a lot of these guys that come back to us, you know, once they go somewhere else and they don't and they don't have success, they give us the call back. The one thing I do is, uh, and I tell all these young guys, you know, don't burn any bridges. I was always taught that from my dad. And a lot of times we get calls from guys that we've recruited. And it just works out, you know, uh, for some reason. And depend, the reasoning always is different. Uh, you know, sometimes we don't get guys the first time around, but obviously uh, we're happy to have them come back to us. So what's the message to this team? You're off to a 5-0 and start. You're 9-1 and in conference. You're knocking on a possibility of being a top 25 team. You're about as close as you can get without being one right now. What's the message to this team as you make the turn into 2017 that makes sure you guys are still in this conversation come the end of February? Just to stay focused, and like I said earlier, just take one game at a time. Enjoy everything now. Uh, these guys, they have a nice break this week. They deserve it. Our coaching staff deserves it. Uh, we're just taking one game at a time. I know our coaches say that all the time. But this, this team really has done a good job of just taking one opponent and focusing on one opponent at a time. So that's really the message to the end of February. So what's the message if it's not coach speak? Uh, <laughs> hey, <laughs> just follow just follow my lead. That's really there you the go. message. <laughs> Well, Coach, I don't want one of the reasons we got you on is because you're nine and one. The other reason we got you on is because we now have a new addition to the studio. I want to thank you and some sports information director named Ira Thor. Anyway, uh, I joke. Ira's a friend of mine. New Jersey, a New Jersey from New Jersey has arrived. 
We've got it here on camera. Nice look. We will find a home for it behind us uh, on the on what is turning into the Wall of Honors. Uh, it will look good up there, I am sure. But thank you very much for sending that in. Really appreciate it. Our pleasure. My pleasure. Thanks for even giving us an opportunity to have our school showcase themselves in this in, your, in a venue like this. I appreciate it. Absolutely. Well, Coach, I always give the coach the final word. So before we let you go, any final thoughts you want to share with those who may be tuning in? By the way, Ira is listening, so be careful. No, no. I, I talk to Ira all the time. Uh, <laughs> Ira and I aren't, aren't just colleagues, but we're friends. And you yes. guys do a great job. You really do a great job. And we, we really appreciate the support. Uh, Division three, obviously, nationally, doesn't get the attention I feel Division three basketball deserves. Uh, so we, we appreciate all that you guys do for our level of basketball here. Well, thank you, Coach. Appreciate it. Good luck the rest of the way. Uh, have a Thanks wonderful holidays much. at the same time. And I really do hope we're talking about the Catholic Knights coming the end of February and, and, and making the NCAA tournament. It would be fun to see you guys get there. So do I. Appreciate the time. Absolutely. Take care of yourself, Coach. Take care. Mark Brown joining us from... New Jersey City, once again, 9-1 start. They are 5-0 tied atop the conference with uh, Ramapo. Of course, we will see Ramapo at the D3Hoops.com Classic, jokingly called the Chuck McBreen Classic, uh, uh, invitational maybe, um, in Las Vegas coming up starting uh, on the 28th. We have three days of games, 28th, 29th, and 30th. If you want to make a trip to Vegas, and, and for any good reason, it's not that hard a, a place to get to. Um, and want to see some decent women's and men's Division Three basketball, make the trip. If not, we will be web streaming it. Gordon Mann, myself, and Pat Coleman will be doing most of the work, and we are looking forward to it. Again, we'll get a chance to see Ramapo there. They are top the end jack along with New Jersey City. Be interesting to see how this conference goes the rest of the way. Not positive how that works out because, again, so much changes. I can't tell you how many times I've put a Ramapo roster together for the D3Hoops.com Classic only to find that roster completely different when I arrive in Las Vegas. We'll see how this works out, but the NJAC is going to be fun to watch this year. I am waiting personally, and people know this, I am waiting for this conference to take the next step. Stockton has done it twice in the last 10-some-odd years in making deep runs in the NCAA tournament getting out of the first weekend, heck, getting out of the first round. I want to see this conference take the step. And by the way, they're not the only one. There's other conferences I'd like to see take this step too. But I'm waiting for the NJAC to take it. I know they think they're a very good conference. I know their fans think they're a great conference. I know a lot of people outside remember the heyday of the NJAC. I think they've got the capabilities of being back in the conversation. It comes down to doing what, what they do in March. They may have teams this year that can finally do it, we got to get to February to know for sure. So thanks to Mark Brown for coming on the show. Uh, thanks to our friend Ira Thor for helping set it up. Thanks for the jersey, guys. Seriously, it's fun to say we have a new jersey from New Jersey. Again, we will find a place to hang it up. We have our Brockport one that needs a, a real home. We don't love where we've put it. But, you know, of course, we have our Greenville jersey and our center jersey. And we've got our women's basketball jersey from Ohio Wesleyan signed by Lauren Hill. We'll find a one here. By the way, if you would like to send us anything, any memorabilia 
to put up in this studio, please do so. Contact us via Twitter or email. We will get you our address and we will hang it. This studio will go through a little bit of a change between uh, now and when we're back on the air January 5th just to make some adjustments. I really want to move our Hoopsville sign a little bit higher, but we got to find a home for these jerseys, and so that will be part of it as well. But again, tweet us at D3Hoopsville or email us, hoopsville at d3hoops.com. We will find a home for whatever a school would like to send us because we just want this to look like a Division Three studio and recognize the Division Three schools out there. So feel free to send it along. And again, thanks to uh, Mark Brown and Ira Thor for doing that for us. We're going to take a break. We're a little bit behind schedule, but that's okay. We will catch up. Next, we'll shoot up in the Northeast and we'll get a regional report from our good friend Matt Noonan. Find out what's going on in basketball in New England. Upset of Amherst by Springfield and Babson's loss to Amherst is not the only things going on. We'll find out more from Matt before we hit the holiday break. Uh, if you've got questions for us, though, tweet us at D3Hoopsville or hashtag Hoopsville. Email us, Hoopsville at D3Hoops.com or join us on Facebook, Facebook.com slash Hoopsville. Of course, we are, in the meantime, also live streaming on Facebook, one of our new twists and simulcasts. We hope you are enjoying it if you are on Facebook. I'll tell you now, it is hard to keep track of messages on there. So if you don't hear from us, please forgive us. We will certainly try and keep track of those messages when they do come in, if they happen to show up on the page, etc. In the meantime, um, yeah, there we go. We're going to take a break. When we come back, Matt Noonan joins us. You're listening to Hoopsville, presented by D3Hoops.com from the WBCA NABC Studios. More Hoopsville after this. My name is Marcus Walker. I was All-State, won a state championship, a high school All-American, and played college and pro ball. I played because I love the game. I grind to be the best. I sweat because I put in work. I'm strong because I believe. When I want to bring it before game time, I come to the house that college basketball built, the CBE. No matter your skill, take it to another level. Elevate your game right here at the College Basketball Experience at Sprint Center. This is our It's On Us pledge. It's on us to make a personal commitment to help keep all people safe from sexual assault, regardless of race, gender, sexual orientation, or ability. Not to be bystanders to the problem, but to be leaders of the solution. We invite you to join us in this campaign by informing your campuses about the It's On Us mission. We've got more schools than Division One, more fans than Division Two, and more upsets than March Madness. There's 800 programs with over 11,000 games leading to two national championships. And we've been covering it all for over a decade. From Eastern to Occidental, from Puget Sound to Piedmont, from Southwestern to the University of New England, and from Hope to Calvin. Nobody covers Division III basketball like we do. We're D3Hoops.com at www.d3hoops.com. Cheer for the stumbles. The heat should have had that. And the tears that linger. For in those moments, greatness lies. There, you will find the provoked, the determined, the unified. It's in those moments that champions are born. I used to never really talk, ever. Uh, I was afraid if I said something wrong, everyone would laugh at me. 
but then I started to play golf with Special Olympics. It helped me to find my voice. And now everyone else is speechless. This is why we love sports. It's in the way they play, free from the pressures and all the money talk. Playing for simply the love of the game, where everyone has a shot at their definition of success on and off the field. This is what we love about sports and what we can still love about college sports. We've got more schools than Division One, more fans than Division Two, and more upsets than March Madness. There's 800 programs with over 11,000 games leading to two national championships. And we've been covering it all for over a decade. From Eastern to Occidental, from Puget Sound to Piedmont, from Southwestern to the University of New England, and from Hope to Calvin. Nobody covers Division Three basketball like we do. We're D3Hoops.com at www.d3hoops.com. We are calling you, all of you. We are calling all Division III schools to join our cause. It's on us to start the change. It's on us to be the change. It's on us. It's on Division III. It's on all of us to stop sexual assault. We are calling you, all of you. We are calling all Division III schools to join our cause. It's on us to start the change. It's on us to be the change. It's on us. It's on Division III. It's on all of us to stop sexual assault. And welcome back to Hoopsville, everybody. Hope you're enjoying the show. If you've got questions for us, tweet us at D3Hoops or hashtag Hoopsville. Email us, Hoopsville at D3Hoops.com or join us on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Hoopsville. person mentioned uh, our good friend Iris says, I need a secretary or a producer. Uh, I need both. <laughs> I need an intern, too. Uh, this show is getting bigger and badder, and it's awesome. Um, but I clearly need... If you all could understand what the studio truly looked like... <laughs> You'd understand uh, why, yeah, we, I mean, we need help on this show, and that's, that's, that's the honest. And Chris Taher was wonderful while we had him, um, but we definitely need some more resources, and uh, we'll, we'll keep at it. Uh, but, of course, those resources come with money, and, and we don't have that either. We'll talk more about fundraising efforts when we come back in the new year. Again, if you have questions for us, tweet us at D3Hoopsville or hashtag Hoopsville. Email us, Hoopsville at D3Hoops.com. Join us on Facebook. Facebook.com slash Hoopsville. I want to thank any of you who given the time to tune in. We certainly appreciate it and hope you've been enjoying the show as well. So uh, throughout the beginning of this season, we've talked about the fact we wanted to get some regional reporters on here. We have a handful, even picked up a new one that we'll use this year as well. We just haven't done a good enough job. It's one of those things we just got to put our mindset and dedicate ourselves to it. I think we're going to change some things up starting in 2016 to do that, to try and get a regional reporter in almost every show so that if we don't talk to a coach from a particular region, we at least get an idea of what's going on in particular regions. There's a downfall of that. We love talking to as many coaches as possible. So we're trying to figure that out. The whole long intro to that is to say 
We've got our first regional reporter today, and the reason we went with this one is not only is the region large, but there's been a lot going on in the Northeast region already this season. There are a lot of those who are not in the Northeast who will have their qualms with that region and how it's made up, but you can't take this away from it. We've gotten some good basketball out of there in at least this year, if not the last couple, and it's going to be interesting to see how this plays out the rest of the year. Well, Let's find out from someone who actually follows it a little bit more than the rest of us do. It's because he's pretty much embedded in it. Joining us on the City of Salem hotline, it is Matt Noonan from the Northeast region. Matt, welcome back to Hoopsville, my friend. Dave, happy holidays. What's going on? Uh, I guess your Ravens won today, so I should say congratulations from uh, from all of us up here in New England. Uh, yes, they did, and they and they. I guarantee you scared the heck out of you guys last week. They did. They did. Yeah. And, you know, but being a Cowboys fan, too, I, I love nothing more to watch the Eagles go down. So for all my friends who are watching uh, with certain schools that are Eagles fans, <laughs> congratulations. You lost again. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Zingers here on Hoops. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> um, Matt, one thing that is for sure is that there has been a lot going on in the Northeast. First off, we got to find a way for Dave Hickson and Stephen Brennan to sign this series in perpetuity. Um, we've gotten two back-to-back stellar games in the last two years. More top Northeast teams need to take this model and run with it. Yeah, no, it's it, you're absolutely right. I mean, it's it's almost it's whenever these two teams get together, this is the type of the game where you, I mentioned it in one of my columns for d3hoops.com a couple of weeks ago, which is this is a game that when the schedules come out, make sure you mark where, you know, where you are, where, you know, when you can be there, whether it's in Amherst, whether it's in Baston Park, you've got to be there. And that's exactly what this particular game, you know, really, really rose up to be. Because again, as you mentioned, you know, last year going into the double overtimes, and I think the year before going to triple overtime too. And, it just seems like these two teams are just so destined just to extend the game where they need more than, you know, two halves of basketball to perhaps play the game. And it was a great game. And, you know, unfortunately I was not there in person, but following along, saw all the interaction on social media, was able to listen to, you know, the broadcaster and be able to watch it. But not surprised that Johnny McCarthy was able to kind of huck up the game winning three and also Jay Daw- you know, some threes that were able to extend into the extra session. Jay Dawson had a stellar game. I think he was NESCAC player of the week, I think, afterward. And he had another big game along with McCarthy, too, the, a few days later against LaSalle, which was another really good game. And I think that's a particular game that probably got overlooked because if you look at that schedule or the score, excuse me, LaSalle was able to end up losing, you know, 92 to 68. And LaSalle is definitely one of the teams that I'm looking at. And, you know, I saw them early on this season. It was, I think, game number one or two where they were playing against Babson and you know they're going to be a team that's definitely going to be one of those squads you want to look for in the GNAC because, you know, I'm not too sure if, if this really is Johnson and Wales' year or if Johnson and Wales mm-hmm. just got lucky because of the way they were able to run, run and gun last year too and unfortunately ran into a stone wall called uh, Tufts. But, yeah, that that was it's just such a great game. And then, you know, to have what happened, uh, you know, a couple of days ago here on a Wednesday night last week where Springfield at Basketball City, you know, with, uh, with, you know, with Ross who might be perhaps the new Mac rookie of the year. Uh, he'll go up against Jake Wisniewski from WPI, but that, that's just a that's a typical grinded out type of game for Coach Char, uh, Charlie Brock squad, and it, that's just who they are. I mean, Springfield right now. I was talking to one of the broadcasters who does Baffin games and uh, UMass Dartmouth games too, and 
I was just saying to him, I said, look, I said, you know, you can't overlook, you know, their squad. They're four and five right now. They've had some tough losses. I mean, even not, I mean, to Keene State, Bridgewater State, but, you know, they've been in some tough games too. Trinity was a tough loss. Uh, going toe-to-toe with Williams and, you know, being able to go into someone of the holiday break before taking on Elizabethtown in a couple of weeks, um, I think is definitely some momentum for Coach Brock's squad. And then going into the new Mac play with really two big heavy hitters right off the bat with WPI and Babson. Um, that's a lot to cover. I mean, and, and that's why I wanted you on because, I mean, that is what is going on in the Northeast. There is a ton going on in the Northeast. Let me start with the top. Number one. Obviously went to Amherst. Um, three first-place voters like myself went with Babson. Let me ask you this, though, and this is probably what the rest of the country wants to know. Are they really that good? Are, are, is, are, is the former, okay, I'll just call them purple and white team, <laughs> that solid? Is, is Babson better than just Flannery? Or have they just risen there because Babson's got Flannery and Amherst is, well, Amherst? So let's start with Babson here, Dave. I think this is something I mentioned that when I did, like, this actually was our first column of the year with with D3 Hoops, which was, you know, I, I literally was there at the game against LaSalle, and they put up about, I think, close to 60 points. It was the most, and you know, at least that coming close to a decade or a couple of seasons where they were able to score about 60 points. And sure, so the, the first name that's going to come to mind is Joey Flannery. And it was funny. I think I was asking, I said, do you feel the extra attention or do you, you know, do you feel like that stardom when you're walking into opposing gyms and, you know, whether it's, you know, fans or, you know, high schoolers or people that maybe you played against that are walking in or eyeballing saying, oh, that's Joey Flannery. And he smiled and he goes, no, we're a team. And they really are a team because if you look up and down, Sam Bo Miller, Nick Com, Com, Commonal, and then Bradley Jacks, Isaiah Nelson. And then, you know, one, um, definitely, you know, uh, there's just, it goes, it goes up and down that entire roster. And I think that's the, that's the other thing too, that I think that uh, like Matthew Droney is someone else too. He's another local kid here from Massachusetts. And they do have a lot of local kids that are playing here on coach Brennan's squad. And I think that's the thing that, you know, they, they're familiar with each other. They played either in high school against each other, played maybe, you know, at the gym or in uh, competitive, you know, not you know, outside of high school and uh, the AU level together. So, and they're pushing each other. And I think that's the, the thing that is going to make Babson a really tough out, especially in the new Mac. And then, you know, depending on how far they can go in the, in the NCA as for coach Hickson squad, well, he, they reloaded again and they brought back, you know, again, Jake Dawson, Johnny McCarthy, David George, uh, just, you know, and then, you know, Tommy Mobley is a freshman. That certainly is someone people are going to want to keep an eye on here too. And then you talk about Reed Berman and just some other players that are coming off this bench. So, yeah, they really are the number one, number two team. And I think that the storyline so far that kind of includes them, but also some of these other schools here too, this is, in my mind, I've been fortunate to cover this beat for a couple of years now, especially whether it's with you guys or through my blog, NoontimeSports.com. I think this is a really going to be a really competitive year because it's even one of the things that we've been doing through Noontime is that we've been you know unveiling our top ten polls. And you scratch your head every single time when you know you talk to you know whether coaches or some you know some uh, media members across the state or across New England and say, hey, think about this or that, and you're going to get some good you know good arguments, some healthy arguments debating whether hey you know whether this team belongs in the top ten or should this team be number eight, should this team be number ten, should this team be number three. So it's it, it's it's a loaded, it's definitely more loaded in my mind than I think it's been in the past. And there's definitely teams like we saw the um, the other night with Springfield beating Amherst, where there is going to be some teams like that. And I think you know Babson will have a night where they will you know uh, be in a new Mac play where maybe you know the shots aren't falling or just things aren't going right, and 
uh, there's going to be a new Mac team that's going to be able to steal one from them. Maybe there'll be another team that steals one from them too. But I think Baxton and Amherst are definitely the one and two. And, you know, they, they will, you know, go through some, you know, some bumps and uh, bruises along the way. But I, I'm expecting these two teams to meet uh, at some point in the NCAA tournament. I wouldn't be shocked, uh, like we saw last year. And uh, it, it will be definitely, again, a go-to game, whether it's at a neutral site or at Amherst or at Baxton Park. Yeah, you're right. It should be. Let's talk about the NESCAC, um, if you don't mind. Obviously, we know Amherst is on top. You know, everyone's waiting for Williams to make a return. I think it's a little bit too soon. I, I don't think they're quite there yet. But there's been a ton of talk about Middlebury. And obviously, Wesleyan is out to a 9-0 start. Um, a, is Middlebury worth the conversation? And B, is Wesleyan legit? Okay, so Middlebury definitely does. I mean, you know, Coach Brown, you know, I, I, what they did last year down the stretch, they're, you know, they're, they're definitely a team that's worth, you know, keeping an eye on. And I know that they had that one loss. Their only loss came to a really good regional opponent at Endicott that is definitely going to be, in my mind, that's the lock to, to win the Commonwealth Coast Conference. Although don't overlook uh, Wentworth and don't overlook some other, you know, maybe uh, some other squads in that particular conference that certainly could give them a run for their money. But I would be surprised if we see Endicott and Wentworth. But, yeah, I think – Right now, I mean, the way that the squad is running, I mean, you know, they're, sure, they're, you know, they're beating some teams that, um, you know, they, which they need to beat. Um, and I'm interested in looking at, you know, where they play in a couple of weeks. They're going to play at the uh, the, uh, the college, to, uh, play down at College of Staten Island. They'll play Illinois Wesleyan, and if they win, then they move on to the next day. Um, and I think that, you know, Matt Bainham Moore is definitely someone you can't, you know, um, o- overlook. I mean, I think him, I think Jack Daly, I think there's just, uh, Jake, Jake Brown. I mean, this team has definitely got some players on it that I think you can't um, overlook. As for Wesleyan, you know, I, the thing about Wesleyan is that I think they're good, but I just I want to see how they're going to compete when they do get into conference play. And I know that um, the funny thing, obviously, about the NASCAC, where some of these schools, like, you know, you see, like, the Bates and the Colbys or the Bowdens, like, especially right now early on, sometimes where some of these schools, they don't have the, the, the win or the loss, maybe, like, in a December or November game count towards their overall conference, but they were able to steal a win at, um, you know, able to steal a win at home in Middletown against uh, Williams. And then, you know, followed it up with wins against Bastion and Westfield state to go into the holiday break. Um, but I, you know, I think truth will be told really about this Wesleyan Cardinal squad when they take on Middlebury and Amherst and Trinity and, you know, Trinity is a squad. I know that's, that struggled out pretty early on here. I mean, you know, losses to a good UMass Dartmouth team and to a, a squad in Southern Vermont that uh, made history last year with getting, you know, having a great year in the NECC and the make it to the NCAA tournament and uh, losing to Keene State, uh, another NCAA team that was probably a couple bounces away from maybe perhaps going to the round of 16. So, yeah, I think Middlebury's for real, and I think Wesleyan will find out uh, definitely next month uh, how good the squad is. Um, quickly on the new Mac, obviously Babson leads the way. Um, Springfield with a big win over Amherst, clearly. I, but I don't see this new Mac being the new Mac of, of old, where we're looking at three teams making the NCAA tournament. That said, is there a dark horse? Because it looks like MIT is struggling. I mean, Springfield had lost two before they, they beat Amherst. Um, nobody else kind of stands out to me in that conference this season. So right now, it's it's definitely going to be Babson. I, I think is definitely the team that's it's going to be the number one team there too. I think WPI coach Barley told me you know from uh, one of their first games of the season. I think it was after East Con or another game early on where they said you know he thinks that he's got one of the better uh, you know outside shooting teams that he's had before. And I think they'll definitely you know be a, they'll hover around the two and the three spot too. I think MIT. 
Uh, I know they were on ESPN for the Sports Center uh, moment for the uh, the great moment by UMass Dartmouth earlier last week or late last week, but I think MIT you definitely can't overlook. And I, I think Springfield is you know it's again it's the usual probably top five. So this is really then going to open the the question up for a Wheaton team where I saw you know uh, Wong Coach Wong's squad play against Framingham State, and the thing that really struck me about them was. They're not flashy, but they're going to be in games. And Framingham State, you know, maybe again another team with a record that does not really indicate the the effort and the hard work that they're putting in. That definitely could be, you know, maybe Wheaton State for that five spot. I, I, you know, one of the teams that I thought was definitely going to be in the three or the four um, this year because they made it to the semifinals last year in the conference tournament was Emerson. So I definitely wouldn't overlook Emerson, but I, I think the win against Amherst against Springfield is, was was no fluke. I think that you know Coach Brock's squad is always one of those grinding out type of teams. They're a lunch pail squad, so I uh, definitely look out for Springfield as they get into Newmac play. Let's jump over to the Little East because here's a conference that's certainly rather interesting right now. Oh yeah, uh, Mass <laughs> Dartmouth is seven and three, two and zero in the conference. Eastern Connecticut is also two in the conference, but they're four and five. Western Connecticut is seven and two. Keene State, who a lot of people thought uh, was a top twenty-five team, has stumbled out to a six and two, one and one start in conference play. Mass Boston is seven and three and one and one. Plymouth State is six and three, one and one. Southern Maine is four and five, and Rhode Island College are four and six, both zero and two. Um, that looks like a mess. I can't get any get any read on that. Looking at that, Keene State was terrific, and now look at this. Yeah, no, well, Keene State definitely has been kind of one of the, sh- the shockers. I know they've fallen out in our pool, pool uh, too, but I think they'll come back. Uh, UMass Dartmouth, I think, is definitely a team you can't take lightly. I think I'm both of the men in the women's side. But, yeah, the Little East is definitely going to be one of those conferences you're going to want to keep an eye on here. Because up and down, I don't care whether Southern Maine and Rhode Island College are 0-2 in the conference play. They're going to come in and give their best 40 minutes of basketball every single night. And I think UMass Boston, definitely for them, they mentioned this, you know, I know uh, Coach Harris had mentioned after their big win uh, a few, you know, a few days ago against Tufts, uh, that was definitely some momentum. They came back a few days later, beat Eastern Nazarene, although they did lose to Keene State before, you know, able to finishing the semester uh, with a win against, seven, you know, against Suffolk. So, yeah, I, I don't, I mean, there really isn't, you know, I think that this is going to be one of those, you know, conferences where this is going to be a grinded out type of conference. I think Keene State is definitely not going away. They, again, the team that beat UMass Dartmouth in the, uh, the finals of, of the conference to be able to go on. And then again, Keene State a couple bounces away probably from maybe making it to the round of 16. But, you know, Eastern Connecticut, I saw them early on this year. He had, um, that's uh, Coach Geithner, he has actually a pretty impressive uh, couple of freshmen that he's got planned for him. So some of the guys that really are going to start stepping up for them uh, down the stretch. But once they get into, as I was saying to someone else who, you know, uh, keeps an eye on East Con, uh, once they, you know, really get into a groove, I think they're going to be a tough team to beat because they always are. But, yeah, definitely keep an eye on UMass Dartmouth. Um, I'm interested in keeping an eye on Coach Harris' squad because I know he's calling out bloggers for uh, for, for their, uh, giving uh, giving positive to the Tufts. The Tufts deserve it, deserves it. And uh, I think it will definitely be a fun conference to watch. And I, I might go with right now. I mean, East Con and maybe you know, UMass Dartmouth are going to probably be my two teams that could I see uh, duking it out in the finals there. You have a top ten that you put out each week from the Northeast um, on your New Time Sports blog. Curious if there's anybody in your top ten that we're that we should be talking about that maybe we're missing. Sure, so I can't give away all of the uh, no. all of the details. Yeah, I, can't, I wouldn't yeah, want to ruin it for everybody. No, no, I appreciate it. We got to keep it. Got to keep something a secret here. Um, got something. Yeah, well, let's 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 just talk a little women's here. I mean, again, I think Tufts and Amherst are 
you know, definitely right now, again, in the D3 Hoops poll, they're definitely the number one and the number two team. Um, a coach told me that they think Bowden is going to be definitely a team that could definitely challenge, you know, uh, not just in my poll, in our poll, but, you know, in maybe perhaps maybe move on, perhaps could be a top 10 team. That's something that I also think, to, uh, too, uh, in the nation. So definitely keep an eye on Bowden from the women's side. Babson is, I think, again, the probably the clear front runner right now in the women's side, but wouldn't count out MIT, wouldn't count out WPI, and I wouldn't even count out Smith even, too. They've had some pretty interesting wins. A big win the other day against Bridgewater State, which is definitely a team, too. Um, you know, I think Con College on the women's side is also another one to keep an eye on here for. Uh, St. Joe's a man is off and has been good. Uh, Framingham State, they're, they're, they haven't lost. So, I mean, there's, you know, Walter's got a good, got something going there, and they got a two really tough tests um, coming up with perhaps at least, obviously, a game. Uh, I think it's against Roger Williams coming up at the end of the uh, month, and then perhaps either Middlebury or Springfield for women. So that could, those are going to be some good tests for them before hopping into mass attack play. I think, but yeah, I think those are definitely some teams to keep an eye on. Um, one of the thing, one of the other teams also on the women's side that I've found um, interesting to keep an eye on here too, because you know they won their first uh, NAC ch- uh, championship last year was Husson, and they've been kind of a quiet six and zero team. The yeah. NAC, in my mind, is. It's, it's interesting because you look at all those teams and, you know, you, you look at New England College for the women's uh, and for the men's have had some good runs. I think Thomas men's have been some teams that have been interesting to watch. Castleton uh, is definitely going back to just a few other men's teams to keep an eye on here for. Um, you know, UMass Dartmouth, as I mentioned here, too. I think WPI, Endicott. Uh, and then keep an eye on LaSalle. I think that them and Albertus Magnus are going to be the top two teams in the GNAC. But, um, so it's definitely going to be interesting to kind of see where uh, where things shake out. But, you know, as I said earlier, this has been a pretty tempo, pretty, you know, it's almost like it's, it's good that right now we're catching the holiday break so we can all get a water break in because it's going to be a fast moving, uh, fast moving the minute the new year, new year comes because we'll really kind of shake out and find out how good some of some of these teams are, but they've done really well out of conference. And I think this is going to be a fun region to keep an eye on. On the men's side, Babs and Amherst on the women's side, Tufts Amherst. Can anybody dethrone either of those teams, any of those teams on the men's and women's side? I think Bowden might be the team. I think Bowden might be the team, and I think you know maybe uh, maybe Williams, depending on if they can catch their stride. Um, you know, I, I never count on you know um, an Emmanuel squad, battle tested squad two team, but I think Bowden might be the uh, the team right now that I'd be keeping an eye on the women's side that could probably give give one of those two teams at least a loss, or uh, maybe perhaps go to an overtime game in an SCAC uh, clash uh, next month or uh, in February. Well, sir, I appreciate you taking the time. I'm, I'm, I'm going to hold everything you said, just so you know. <laughs> I appreciate I, it. Like I said, I mean, this is this has not been uh, this has not been easy here, Dave. Trust me. There's there's some teams that probably should, uh, should definitely get more recognition. I feel like I probably missed tonight, but it's been it's it's going to be interesting the next couple of uh, weeks to, to keep an eye on. So uh, I mean, I mean, no okay. pressure. I'm just um, recording everything. Uh, and writing it down, and then when we have you back on, seeing how accurate you were. I mean, it's no okay. pressure. No pressure. I, I like it. We'll, we'll see how uh, – give me a shot, and we'll see what we can do in uh, February or March and see if uh, my prediction to the Little East. And, and you know, if, uh, if I, I think Huston might be the – I'll go with the one more bold prediction. I think Huston women's on the NAC side. I mean, and then I think Thomas might be the squad to look for on the NAC side too. So I'll give you – those are my final two hot takes of the evening here, Dave. I will say this. Nobody wants Husson winning the little uh, the uh, NAC because no one wants to go to Bangor, Maine for the tournament. Hey, you know it's uh, it's any given it's any 
given day. They had a great run at football, and I think it's, it was also a good day for New England sports here, Dave, too, with uh, you know Western New England cracking the D3 football poll and yeah. you know, Hudson and and Hudson getting the receiving the votes, and also along with uh, Bridgewater State. So uh, Hudson's been a fun, fun school to cover from our from my end. So uh, fly Eagles, fly, I guess for them, right? <laughs> Very. They have to most times just to get out That's of the, true. where they are. <laughs> um, at least it's a big airport, at least runway-wise. Um, Matt, I appreciate you taking the time. Uh, real quick, I know you don't have around the region column this week, but anything that you've got kind of in your mind that we can look forward to down the road? You know, I think right now it's just it's um, – I'm looking forward to trying to catch up with some of these teams that we talked about, maybe a Huston or a Thomas or, you know, giving some more credit to LaSalle. Um, I definitely think they'll, I'm sure there'll be some stuff with the little, little East. They'll be coming down the pike here too. Uh, and the NECC, I think, you know, I don't want to forget about them. I mean, they're, that, that's another one of those conferences that sometimes maybe gets overlooked. Um, so trying to get some, some of that covered as well too. So it's, it's, it, that's the beauty of this column is you're able to kind of, uh, you know, work with the great people like yourself and Pat and Gordon and, um, you know, craft some ideas. And, um, you know, I think the best thing too is also continuing to try to tell some really cool stories. Um, just like as the one, if you go to, you know, our website at noontimesports.com, we have a great one uh, up with Armin Omnovich from uh, LaSalle. And just, you know, if you guys have a chance to check that out, uh, he's involved with some cool things off the court that I think definitely, uh, definitely fits the mold, as we both know from, you know, from many years of, you know, you and I combined working in D3. Uh, definitely exemplifies what it means to be a D3 student athlete. Well, sir, thank you so much. Looking forward to what you come up with next. Yes, definitely check out New Time Sports. We'll be interested in who you think is top 10 in uh, the, the region are for both men and women coming up. And uh, have a good holiday, will you? I will. You do the same, Dave. Happy holidays to, to you and uh, happy holidays. and uh, I guess happy New Year to all those listening. Looking forward to catching up with you in uh, 2017, hard to believe. Yeah, I mean, hard to believe is right, but I do look forward to that. Take care of yourself, sir. <laughs> Thanks, Dave. Talk to you soon. Definitely. Matt Noonan joining us. From the Northeast region, again, he is the around-the-region Northeast columnist for D3Hoops.com. Also has the Noontime Sports blog. Fun to catch, get his take. I'll say this much, Matt has certainly expanded his vision in New England. Uh, I know when I used to talk to him years ago, it was mainly what was going on in the Boston area. Then it kind of spread into Massachusetts. Now he's got a good, firm take on what's going on in the entire region, and that's fun to get. We will have other regional reporters. We have uh, we also hear from, usually from Rusty Egan out of the Northeast as well for a different take. We'll um, hopefully uh, Ira Thor now on board to give us his take on the Atlantic region. We hopefully will hear from him in the near future. Um, we've had Ryan Winnable from the Great Lakes along with our good friend um, Lenny Wright uh, from Mount Union. We'll hear from those two gentlemen at some point from Lakes. And we're working on getting others from other regions to get their takes on what's going on. We hope we can get maybe some of that uh, legwork done in while we're off the air uh, and eventually get to that um, when we start 2017. By the way, if Matt is still hearing me on the phone system, Matt, i got to wrap the show, so I'll get back offline at some point. I'm not going to get back to the phone line. Usually I try and do that with guests, but we're not going to take a break. We're going to wrap up the show. I should point out, by the way, we did have some basketball taking place tonight. Um, it was something that a little strange, to be honest with you, but this is what happens when you have uh, um, we have uh, other shows going on. By the way, the other thing, I put the right link on our D3 Hoops page, but... Um, Right now, Whitman and Worcester are playing out in Walla Walla, Washington. I'll sarcastically, maybe not so sarcastically, say amazing that Worcester left uh, the Great Lakes and headed somewhere to play some games. I'm more impressed that they headed out to Washington. 
Uh, and with the basket I just saw, Whitman now leads 76-73 with 2.42 left. Keep an eye on this. It may or may not end um, before we're off the air ourselves. So we'll keep an eye on that one just to see what happens. Um, in the meantime, um, let's see. scores take place today. Let me hit refresh to make sure I've got an update as Worcester hits another shot to c- cut to within uh, one. Um, Whitworth beat Laverne rather easily, uh, 96-88. Um, Swarthmore came from behind to beat Averett. I think they did 61 60. So they at least and Susquehanna and Glagrange. Uh, last I checked here, ta at halftime, Susquehanna leading by 15 37 22. Other games, Stockton beat Randolph today. That's an interesting game. Bates beat St. Joseph's of Maine by 10. Um, looking for other games that may catch our attention. Kalamazoo beat Monmouth by a point in overtime. Uh, DePaul beat Hiram in overtime as well. Rather low-scoring affair here. Randolph-Macon beat Mary Washington 49-47. That's a really low-scoring affair. And to be honest with you, that's a testament of how up and down the Yellow Jackets are this season or will be this season. Um, you know, I, I saw it at the Hoopsville Classic, and they lost both games. I was surprised they lost to Albright because the way they played the first game, I thought they could beat Albright. Albright came out. Could have cared less that they had gotten thumped by Marietta and beat Randolph-Macon. But Randolph-Macon's been up and down. They beat Emory and Henry, and then um, forgot who they next. Now they beat Mary Washington, who I think is going to be in the fray, at least the top four of the CAC. Um, so, you know, watch Randolph-Macon. They're going to not going to play spoiler. Right? I don't want to say that for their program. But they're definitely not going to make uh, teams who play them in the ODAC have an enjoyable day, whether you think they should win or not. Um, less than a minute left, by the way, Whitman and Worcester. Let's get oh that that took that took no time, did it not? We'll keep an eye out here. There's been a, a whistle. I want to just make sure we're not going to something that's got a long delay. Forty-two point nine seconds left here. Um, just waiting to see what happens. Worcester ball. So we will go to that, barring a timeout that comes up here. So bear with me as I check out some other scores real quick. Um, Scranton beat Emory and Henry. Uh, big second half from Scranton in that one. Um, let's see. What else have we got here? Uh, Hood beat Eastern Mennonite. Hood's having a, a sneakily good year. Whoa, audio's really high. I apologize for that. Hang on. We'll see. I think it sounds like the audio got cut from it by the system automatically, which is good to hear. Um, basket did not count. I'm just going to go down from that. I apologize uh, for that. We didn't mean to have the audio jump on you there. We'll just kill it, make it easier for everybody. That should kill the audio. So there we go. So we've got uh, Whitman and Worcester. Worcester's got the ball, trailing by one with 20 and a half seconds left. We'll see what happens here as I as I check out some other scores. As we mentioned, a big one there in the fact that Hood beat Eastern Mennonite. Keep an eye on Hood. We'll see if we can get them on the show sometime soon. That could make the MAC Commonwealth a rather interesting t- uh, year. Worcester misses the shot. Can't put the rebound out for three. Missed again. Rebound again for Worcester as we're running out of time here. And finally, Whitman picks up the ball. And I think that's going to do it. Was there a foul? I'm not sure. It's... By the way, I- I'm just going to say it now. I hate the camera angles here. Um, 
find a way to put it in the middle of the court. This back and forth is driving me insane. But then again, it's what I do for a living. But I, I digress. And that is a final. So Worcester loses another one. And Whitman, I think, may be proving themselves a little bit here. Some may di- uh, disagree and say that uh, losing there uh, or winning that game by one doesn't say much. But I would argue otherwise. I think that that shows Whitman's willing to take on all comers and are having a pretty stellar season. So let's back up to other scores from around the nation and men's that I that have caught my attention. Chicago beat Rhodes in a high-scoring affair, 121-101. we got to find out what Rhodes is doing. I don't think they're running the system, but they're definitely high-octane, to say the least. Um, Catholic beat Gettysburg, 72-59. Trinity beat George Fox. That's a pretty good win for, for Trinity. Oh, by the way, um, where is the game? I can't find it. Well, Maybe not. Oh, here it is. Pacific beat 79-71. Pacific out to a 6-2 and two start on the year. That's pretty darn good this year. Uh, women's basketball scores really quickly. Uh, Scranton continues to stay undefeated, beating Scockton 75-69. Puget Sound uh, continues to click along despite the one loss they had to Trinity. They beat 72-64. Um... See other scores that really I mean, Plattsburgh State all over Southern Maine today seventy fifty four that's that's pretty Southern Maine has certainly fallen off from where they used to be um, it's too bad I'd love to see Southern Maine get back in the conversation but Plattsburgh State just handled them um, there's a score you don't see every day Washington and Lee played Maine Presque Isle and beat them seventy one forty one. Was Maine Prescott all the way down in Virginia today? Where was that game taking place? No, it took place in Scranton, so that makes a little bit more sense. Um, but still, Maine Prescott making the trip to Scranton. Um, as I've now lost the scores, I will get back to them in a moment. Um, here we go. Uh, let's see. Uh, Muskegon beat Worcester in women's basketball action. Uh, FDU Florham beat Hartwick. Messiah beat Vassar. Uh, otherwise, nothing else really jumping out at me here that that is you know shocking or or surprising um, at this point. So an interesting day. Trinity, uh, Texas, by the way, beat Pacific Lutheran eighty one sixty two to round out their West Coast trip. So uh, that's going to wrap up our show for today. Uh, appreciate you taking the time to join us. Um, this is the last show as we for the rest of the semester. We will be back on January fifth with our um, normal schedule. So this is how it normally works for any of you who maybe knew the show or just want a, um, a uh, reminder on Thursdays and Sundays, we will get much more regional on particular shows. We will actually get ghosts from <laughs> guests from particular regions. Um, if memory serves and this could be changed, but on Sundays we will talk to the Northeast, the Atlantic, the South and the central regions. Then on Thursdays, we will talk to the East, the Mid-Atlantic, the Great Lakes, and the West, and mix in some South, just because sometimes with travel, that's the only way we can get a South guest on, uh, usually. So that's how it will break down. We'll also bring back the WBCA Center Court segment and the NABC Coaches Corner segments. Those will return as we talk to coaches who are involved in more than just um coaching as it were what's going on outside the lines so that's all coming 
uh, and down the road when we return the air. Don't forget, we'll be at the D3Hoops.com Classic in Las Vegas. Six games on the 28th, six games on the 29th, two games <laughs> on the 30th. 30th is going to feel like a letdown. Um, we will um, have plenty of interviews out there to talk about what uh, is going on. Um, talk to coaches, talk to uh, players as well during those games. Gordon Mann, Pat Coleman, and myself will be the primary three. We may have some guest callers as well while we're out there. Um, so look for that information to keep you abreast of what's going on during the holidays. There's one more Top 25. If you're listening to the podcast, it may have already come out, but the next Top 25 comes out on Monday evening. That will be the last one we will have for the holiday break as well. It will go on a two-week break of January 3rd with the next uh, Top 25 following that one. We will plan to try and travel at least once, maybe twice before the NCAA tournament this year. Also, the Hoopsville Marathon will make an appearance. Uh, looks like we're narrowing it down to February 2nd, mainly because we already have a guest for a pre-taped segment. <laughs> the only way it can get on the air is if it's doing it on February 2nd, which will be before the regional rankings come out. Also, I'm going to tease you with this one. But we at D3 Hoops, being Pat uh, Gordon Mann, myself, and Ryan Scott, may try and do something very unique for Division Three, very unique period for the opening weekend of the NCAA tournament. We are working on something that is going to be different. How we cover that opening weekend may be very different. And look for that coming soon. We'll probably announce it once we get our I's and T's. Of looking forward to it. It will be something that we haven't tried before. We have talked about for years. Um... And we'll give you an opportunity to follow the tournament in a way that it's never that you've never done it before, at least um, maybe not on your own. We'll try. We'll, that, that's just for you. So that's all coming up in the 2017 side of D3 Hoops, especially Hoopsville coverage. Um, we will be talking fundraiser down the road only because we two reasons. One, to be blunt, we don't make money on this show. We are trying to find ways to get advertising here, including colleges, to advertise on the sh they so are inclined. Um, but it is hard to put this show together, the amount of hours we dedicate it to, um, and the expenses that it incurs. We have had many of you who have been very kind to help us along the way in the last few years. We are looking to do it differently this starting this year because we lose 20% of the money raised by using websites like Indiegogo. We will be working on that, and that will be released soon as well. Certainly don't want to tell you you have to support us, but it's kind of like NPR. Your support helps us do our job, one that we certainly appreciate doing flexibility right now um, of being able to do the way I do it. Um, that could change, and we don't want it to, so that's kind of where the fundraiser comes in. Also, again, a thank you to New Jersey City for the new jersey that will be hanging in our studios soon enough. Again, there's New Jersey, New Jersey. Um, we will hang that somewhere and get a more official home for the Brockport jersey, which we got at the start of the season. And again, if anybody wants to join the four jerseys, Greenville Center, Brockport, Ohio Wesleyan, which is actually signed by Lauren Hill, and our Hopkins practice jersey which we've had for a decade plus our new njcu jersey let us know and it doesn't have to be a new a jersey we've gotten little tiny basketball rims from wheaton women's basketball 
Um, we've gotten some other items of, of note. If you have something you want to put in our studio, let us know. Here's the deal. We have a lot of spaces you can see. We've talked about creating more easily over my shoulder. There are some memorabilia up there that is just sports memorabilia for me. Um, it's not necessarily related to Division Three. We can sub it out for Division Three stuff. So if you want to donate something to go in our studio, uh, send it our way. Tweet us or email us, and we'll find a way to do that. Again, you can always follow us on Twitter, at D3Hoopsville, and use the hashtag Hoopsville. You can also follow us on Instagram the same way, at D3Hoopsville and the hashtag Hoopsville. Follow us on Facebook at facebook.com slash Hoopsville, and you can always email us, Hoopsville at D3Hoops.com. That's how you can get a hold of us. We hope you're going to have a good holiday, um, and we hope you'll join us back here. Uh, when we get ready to do this all over again, starting on January 5th, and run it right through the championships in late March. We will tell you, by the end of the season, we will probably have a good idea of who is going to be hosting starting the championship starting in 2018. We've been told that the finalists have to be decided here, and that the winner will be decided after the season has concluded. We'll keep you abreast of those developments as well, especially on women's basketball, which you may remember, Former uh, or the current committee chair intended at they wouldn't mind finding a more permanent home like the men have in Salem. So we will see what the bidding process results in down the road. Uh, I think that's going to do it. I want to thank our guests for coming on the show: Veronica Nolt from Elizabethtown, Dan Raymond from Ithaca, and of course Mark Brown from New Jersey City. Also, thanks to Matt Noonan, our around the uh, region columnist at D3Hoops.com from the Northeast. I want to thank the sports directors as well, Ira, Matt, and Justin, for helping us out with those interviews. We will get more in it, as it were, starting on the 5th, and we'll ramp it up just a little bit. I want to thank again you for tuning in. Hope you have a great holidays. Merry Christmas to those who celebrate. Happy Hanukkah and Kwanzaa to those who celebrate as well. We'll be back here in 2017 thanks for tuning in hope you enjoyed the show um if you've got any questions or you've got guest ideas or you want to send us something along the way remember twitter at d3 hoopsville and hashtag hoopsville email hoopsville at d3 hoops.com facebook facebook.com slash hoopsville and instagram at d3 hoopsville as well thanks for tuning in everybody really appreciate it hope you have a wonderful holidays and we'll see you in 2017 and enjoy some good division three basketball in the meantime Come out to Vegas, and if you're there, say hello. If you can't get to Vegas, enjoy the games nonetheless online. Good night, everybody, and have a great holiday.